Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is a perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life, there's no surrender. There's nothing left for us to do Find the strength to see this through We are the ones who will never be broken With our final breath We'll fight to the death We are soldiers, we are soldiers And thank you once again for coming to Bard's Logic Political Talk, part of the Conservative Conversation, and also part of the Patriot Journalist Network. And you can find the Patriot Journalist Network by going to www.patriotjournalist.com. Welcome back to the show. I know I had a little bit of hiatus due to my daughter's birthday and also uh, an illness on my part. Uh, But welcome back. It's great to be here. Uh, Wow, a lot has happened, and just within 24 hours, we've got Paul Ryan uh, deciding that he's going to retire and not uh, decide to uh, run for re-election. Of course, if it hasn't happened already, you're going to be hearing it from the mainstream media saying that the reason he's doing it because he does not see himself as speaker next year, not because he's going to get ousted uh, by the Republicans or the grassroots, but by this so-called blue wave that may be coming, and folks, it very well may be coming. This is a very election, very important election year. Uh, the folks need to come out in a movement like they did uh, when Donald Trump was elected and come out again in 2018. You will see the Democrats take the House. And also watch out for voter fraud, especially electronic voter fraud. We'll be talking about that more. But first, we're going to be talking about some recent events with our uh, current guest for this evening. And that is Dr. Toyos, and I believe we have him on the line from Tennessee. Uh, so let's go ahead and welcome our guest uh, into the show. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Toyos. How are you this evening? Hello? I got air, and I don't hear uh, anyone on there. Oh, we don't, do we not do we not have a connection here? Well, I hope everything's okay. We'll go ahead and uh, mute that real quick and see. We've got another uh, Tennessee. Perhaps this is the other number. Hello, is this Alex or is this Dr. Toyos on the line? Can you hear me? This is Dr. Toyos. Yes, Dr. Toys. Yeah, you had another caller, but I heard uh, just uh, wind like they're in their car, so uh, I'll have to check that out later. Uh, Thank you very much for coming to the show. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we were uh, kind of a very recent development, uh, literally within 24 hours, uh, I believe. Uh, We could start with that, or we could start uh, for why uh, you uh, were running, at least, uh, until the very recent developments. 
for the Senate. Uh, I mean, I think, I think it will be a good backdrop, uh, you know, at least to begin our conversation. We're definitely we want to hear what's happened recently, especially within yeah. uh, in light of our topic for this evening's show. Go ahead. Yeah, I can recap. So uh, Tennessee is an interesting state, and politics are very interesting. So we uh, turned in all our papers, ready to run for U.S. Senate, uh, driving to a Reagan Day to give a speech, a Reagan Day dinner to give a speech, and I get this uh, kind of cryptic phone call that, that they are talking about the state executive committee was talking about pulling me from the ballot. And I was like, well, what's going on there? So I start making phone calls and I hear the state executive committee is meeting the next morning uh, to decide who is and who is not a bona fide Republican uh, candidate. So we get to the executive meeting uh, well, before we get to the executive meeting, I get to the Reagan Day dinner and I start calling people I know and they were saying, hey, they're going to pull you from the ballot because one of the bylaws says that you have to have voted in three out of the four last Republican primaries. There's a whole bunch of stipulations on the on the list, you know, like active involvement in the Republican Party, getting vouchers from uh, state representatives and committee members, the chairman uh, going ahead and approving you to be a, what is called a bona fide Republican. So there's a whole bunch of ways to become a bona fide Republican, but one of the ways is having voted in three out of four primaries. So I start calling people and they said, yeah, they're going to take you off of the ballot because of the three out of four primaries. So my voting record from and we pulled uh, my whole voting record for the last 20 years of me being in Tennessee is uh, all Republican in primaries. I actually ran for office because the Republican Party uh, asked me to run for a uh, against a Democratic incumbent in a Democratic district to try to pull in more Republican votes. Uh, always have supported Republican candidates. This, that, and the other thing, but I was told, hey, they're going to pull you because of this, and you can kind of speculate, let your mind wander about what, you know, why they decided to do that. So I'm furiously getting on the phone call and talking to representatives to try to get voucher letters saying, hey, this guy's a Republican. So the morning of the executive committee meeting, uh, our team goes down there. We've got three vouchers sent to them. Uh, we've got uh, voting records, whatever we could pull. We've got the uh, uh, the history of me running as a Republican for the Republican Party. We have all this, but then the meeting goes on, and at the end they lump uh, everybody together, and they – uh, vote me out. They basically just say, you know, you're you're not going to be on the on the ballot. So that was on a Saturday. So we're scrambling Saturday afternoon trying to figure out what this means. We call people. You know, I talked to an attorney, and you know, we start to try to work with the Republican Party and see if there's any way 
to get us back on. We feel like it's erroneous uh, that we were pulled off the ballot. And then, you know, the reality starts to set in uh, come, you know, come Monday with all my talking and with all my getting together with people and getting documents. And we had a press conference kind of showing all the reasons why we should be uh, on the ballot. Uh, It just wasn't meant to be. So I met with uh, Scott Golden, who is the chairman of the state executive committee. We had a good meeting and he basically just said, you know, it's not happening. And the only other option for me was to sue the Republican party. And what happened over the next day or two was, you know, people were, on social media, they were hot saying, you know, this isn't right. And instead of my message being the issues, all of a sudden my message was being, you know, corrupted by all these people who had ideas of, you know, why I was taken uh, off the ballot. So to me, it started to become a distraction and not good for the party. And so when I met with Scott Golden, I just uh, told him, you know, this isn't, I think we both agreed this isn't good for the party. There was nothing uh, else that could be done. And so I decided you know, I wasn't going to pursue any legal action on this. And I don't even think a legal action would have worked from talking to uh, various people. You know, the Republican Party is is not is is open to people. It's open to these these things. But you know, if they if they don't vote you in to even be on the ballot, then you're, you're not on the ballot. So there's no amount of pounding your head up against the wall. Uh, These things have to happen. So uh, I decided, okay, you know what, I'm going to go a different route. Let's try to, let's try to work with people and see what can be done uh, to help the party. And so I decided this morning that, I would uh, not pursue any other action to try to to get on there, any legal action to try to get on there and just uh, regroup, work uh, with the Republican Party, try to get as many Republicans uh, elected as possible, and, you know, just be better prepared the the next time. Now, to my understanding, I did, you know, did some reading, you know, myself in – did you not have one of the criteria to be on the ballot? I believe that was you mentioned the vouchers, like you know you had had to have three, uh, I guess officials, Republican officials, basically vouch for you yeah. that you know that's what the vouchers are about. I mean, didn't you have that? And didn't that did that not yeah. meet the criteria? Yeah, it meets the criteria, but the thing that people don't understand is that the chairman. Uh, takes those vouchers and he has to approve those vouchers. You know, once he gets those vouchers, he can say yay or nay. So uh, it's kind of, again, these bylaws leave a lot to interpretation and they, they have the power. I mean, they have the power to say you're on or off the the ballot Uh, voucher, no voucher, you know, so it's, It's very tricky, but the way I see it, and this is the way I feel about it now, now that I've had some time to process it, if you're going to get in the world of politics and you're going to do this, 
you, you've got to be prepared for everything. You've got to to know that at any moment a trick play can be uh, done. So to me, I compare it to a football game. You're gonna you're gonna compete against an opponent. Opponent, you go there, and if they do the Statue of Liberty play and score a touchdown, and you weren't ready for that, then it's on you. And that's the way I'm taking this. You know, this was this was on me. I um, uh, I should have seen maybe this angle coming, and we kind of saw this angle coming because. In January, when we were scheduled to be at a uh, Reagan Day dinner, the county chairman told me that uh, she was not going to let me speak because I wasn't a bona fide uh, candidate. And so we didn't speak that night, and I talked to the chairman, and um, from then on in, you know, the chairman said, uh, you know, the chairman said, oh, no, you know, you're a bona fide candidate. So what I should have done at that point is instead of just, uh, you know, getting a verbal, I probably should have uh, gotten something in writing. So, I, you know, we went through this whole campaign thinking we were bona fide, but, you know, we weren't. And, again, it's it's on me. I don't blame anybody else but me. I don't blame the chairman. I don't blame uh, anybody. I just now know uh, what the rules of the game are, and I'll be better prepared next time. Well, well, I'll tell you what, in in that sense, you're a better guy than I am, because let me tell you something. (laughs) I I wouldn't, you know, that wouldn't be the uh, (laughs) the way I would see it. I mean, mean, why do you think, I I mean, if, if, if you had the credentials, but and he had the, the the power to turn that down. Say, well, yeah, I know you got him, but we're not gonna let you in anyway. Why do you think that was? Well, look, you could speculate on a, a lot of reasons. So here we are. This is going to be a very hotly contested uh, race. You know, the Republicans have had this seat for quite a while. I think the last time a Democrat had the uh, Tennessee Senate seat was maybe Al Gore. I'd have to check that, but I think that's right. And but this is the first year they're saying that there's the possibility of a Democrat winning the seat. So you've got the ex-governor who was well liked uh, in this uh, in this state, who is I would say um, he was well liked. I I don't want to get into his, his. We can get into his politics in a second, but he is uh, he polled recently a uh, 12-point favorite over the, uh, the, the, the current leader on the Republican side, uh, Marsha Blackburn. So you have Bredesen, Marsha Blackburn. All of a sudden, a poll comes out before these days that uh, he is overwhelmingly, you know, right now he is the favorite uh, to win the seat. So that freaked out. I think that's freaking out a lot of Tennesseans. And then here you have a candidate who is gaining ground, uh, and and they're thinking, and maybe they're thinking is, you know, a highly contested primary on the Republican side only makes the Republican weaker when it comes to the Democrat that has no 
contest on the Democrat side. Well, so I think well, let me interject. I apologize. Let me interject real quick. Just real quick is that's flawed logic. If 2016 proved anything, especially the Republicans, I mean, you pretty much had Hillary Clinton non-contested with Bernie Sanders. You had 19 Republicans running for president, hotly, hotly contested, and Trump won the presidency. So they, I mean, how can they even use that? I mean, I know we're speculating here, but that's flawed logic for them right there because, well, if it's hotly contested, that doesn't necessarily is going to bring the outcome of the election. I mean, uh, if the 2016 presidential election didn't show anything like that. I mean, look at that primary and look at the result of the, of the general election. Look, that's the way I think. I think uh, a, a hotly contested uh, primary uh, helps you. You know, I just I think you know back to the days of Reagan versus Bush, and Bush is calling Reagan's economic plan voodoo economics. They're going back and forth, and then Reagan comes in, wins the presidency, and makes Bush his vice president. So I don't I believe in hotly contested primaries gets you ready for the general. Maybe other people don't believe that. But I thought we were we were gaining ground. We were doing well. You know, we started in the the last poll that we saw, there was three candidates, Marsha Blackburn, who's a sitting congressman, an ex congressman named Stephen Fincher, and myself. We were the only three people to poll. Uh, it was an early poll I had just announced, and I had 3% of the vote. And then, you know, Fincher drops out, so then it's basically the only two people left who polled from the beginning is myself and Marsha Blackburn, and we were gaining ground. We were, we were pounding the pavement, meeting people, getting out there, and we were uh, getting better and better. So, on our side, I should have uh, seen this coming. You know, you're going to have uh, opposition who doesn't want to see you win, and they're going to contest your candidacy, and then you're leaving it up to one person to make a decision. So it, shouldn't have, it should never have gotten to that point, and I'm a lot smarter now because of it. And so, you know, I missed, I missed this opportunity and I just have to learn from it and, and, and move on. Believe me, I was very upset Saturday. I was very upset Sunday. And then the, you, as a surgeon, that's the thing. My mind's a little bit different. I, you know, our goal in surgery is to like get in there, get a job done. Something happens, you deal with it, but get the job done. And then once you see that there's nothing that you can do, then there's, you know, nothing that you can do, and you you deal with the reality and 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 move on. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to let this, you know, get to me and make me bitter. I'm just going to learn from it. Well, well good. Uh, I'll be better for you then. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm really jaded when it comes to the Republican Party. I was I was talking to Alex tonight. You know, especially with what you know happened in 2012, what they did to get Romney coordinated, uh, you know, for you know the run for president. We we won't go into those weeds, you know, at least right now. But what it sounds like to me, and, and you know, I, I I appreciate your attitude. I understand your attitude. It's frankly a good attitude to have. 
but since I'm not going to be doing any kind of running anytime soon, if ever, uh, <laughs> my thing is it looks like, once again, the establishment, you know, taking care of its own and kicking anyone else to the side who uh, who's going to challenge them, who's going to show. Um, and, and that's what this country needs, and I think people want. I mean, if, if one of the things, the except for on the, the you know, left, east and left coast, uh, showed is that, you know, the people, you know, they want someone who's not a career politician. You know, they, 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 that's what they want, but it's being set up where that's becoming their only choices are the, you know, the incumbents of people who've been in, in politics for years. I mean, it's the parties themselves, and it sounds like even on the, the state, you know, I know you're going for U.S. Senate, uh, but even on the state level, you know, they're limiting the people's choice to the incumbents. So that's the only people they can vote for are these career politicians. Because when you get someone like yourself in there, you know, to be, you know, a, a citizen statesman, I mean, isn't that what, you know, our Congress and our Senate and our representatives are supposed to have been? I mean, wasn't that, you know, how things were supposed to have been set up, where you have citizen statesmen, women going in there and, you know, running? They serve their country for a period of time, and then they're out. But you know what? That's not, that's not the system that we're in now. And this is what, yeah. this is what I confirm. You you come in from the outside, and people look at you and they go, "Who the heck does this person think coming in from the outside uh, and think they're going to run for office?" So you have those people who are on the state executive committee, and they basically started from the bottom up. You know, I was talking to the chairman, and he started from the bottom up and was part of that state executive committee, and then. He made all the way to chairman. So they they feel like uh, that group has paid their dues. So when an outsider comes in, their feeling is this person hasn't paid their dues. Now, for me, I thought I had paid my dues, you know, going in and doing what the Republican Party wanted me to do, and that was run for that county uh, commission seat. But, you know, it wasn't it wasn't enough. And the thing is, I don't think if I were if I were only polling at three percent, I don't think this would have happened. You know, if I was, but I think I became a very legitimate threat to mm-hmm. kind of take on kind of the establishment, the person that's been there, the person that they feel like they've paid their dues enough uh, to run. So that's why it's very difficult. Like what what Trump did. Now I appreciate even more, and I think the advantages that he had over me was uh, tons of money and and tons of name recognition. And what we had mm-hmm. going for us is that we were building on that name recognition. We were doing old-fashioned politics uh, along with new-fashioned politics of using the internet and social media, and, and we were building. So the, if we were not a threat, we I don't think we would have been uh, pulled from the ballot, but we became a serious threat to the uh, establishment that has been there for a long period of time. So there was no doubt uh, that, you know, I was going to be gone. So I should have, I should have uh, become more bona fide. I should have looked at those things and said, you know, how do I, how do I combat this if they come out with it? And you know they they let us know in January. It's just, I 
I thought it was over uh, then, but I should have uh, known that that was a way that uh, my competition could have gotten to me. So well, and, you, know, you know, hopefully when you you know when you run again, you'll you'll be able to, to see that. But one of the things that you know we've talked about this many times the show, and we do have a uh, number of folks uh, on the line, uh, a few of which have already chimed. Uh, Want to you know push the button to chime in? If you don't want to chime in, push the one on your number dial, and uh, you know I will get you into the show. Uh, so definitely uh, get you in. Just again, push the one on your number dial. And one of the things we've said many times on the on, on the show is. What, what I think Trump needs to do, I mean, yeah, it could end up being to his own detriment. If he really wants to clean, uh, you know, clean the swamp or the cesspool is what I, you know, I, I like to hear use that phrase because even a, a swamp has some ecological value to it. Um, but clean the cesspool is, I think he, I mean, he does need to look at these, these races, these U.S. Senate races, these U.S. House races. Find the people who are now, unfortunately, in, in your case, it looks like it's too late, but, uh, you know, look at these these races. See who these grassroots, you know, statesmen and stateswomen are, and and pretty quickly. I mean, yeah, you got to do your due diligence. You know, find out about the person. You know, but my gosh, he's a president. There's a staff for that, right? And so, you know, you get behind these people early on. Let the party know. Hey, look. That, I mean, in my opinion, that's the only way he's going to clean the swamp. I mean, really. I mean, you can get a few people exactly. out here and there. I mean, Paul Ryan may be leaving to clean the swamp, but that's how you really get to, in my opinion, clean the swamp. Yeah. So, exactly. If you really wanted to, if you really wanted to drain the swamp and get uh, out the career politicians and do that, there has to be money put behind it. And what I'm seeing now is that uh, no, they're they're not going to give money to a a first time, and I wasn't a first time candidate, but they're not going to give money to somebody coming from the outside in. Uh, they, mm-hmm. it's just not going to happen. And so what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to come in with your own money. And that's what I'm saying. I, if I had more of my own money coming in and I spent I, I, 90% of the money spent, uh, on our campaign was self-funded with, uh, you know, trickle in of money from, uh, others. But if they really, if, President Trump really wanted to do that, he would do kind of what Pence did. You know, Pence started his own PAC, and he's looking for people to give money to that represent his values and what he wants to see. So if you really wanted, if if Trump really wanted to get more outside people in, he would have a PAC or somebody would have a PAC that would be giving money uh, to that group, but if you if you notice all the people that he's backed so far, that it's pretty much establishment uh, people. It's mm-hmm. really not outsiders uh, coming in. So it's a it's yeah, a very long road. I knew I knew it was an uphill battle from the start when I when I jumped into this thing. We did really well. We we climbed that hill, but there's there's a lot there's a lot to know there. There's a lot of experience to to gather and even Trump for all that he did by himself, he did have to bring in people who knew the swamp and guide him through uh, that minefield. And we, you know, we, we didn't have that, you know, we, it was a, it was a uh, pesky group of uh, people who were just 
excited and a lot of energy and wanted to to make this happen uh but we you know we were missing that that person that could guide this through the swamp and then also have the the power and the clout to get through like a state executive committee but we didn't we didn't have it so it's Again, uh, y'all be better prepared next time now that I know the – I tell people now that I know the, the game, it's like going to uh, a sporting event and you don't know all the rules. Well, now you now you know all the rules. Now you know ways that you can be tripped up and, and uh, you know, we'll just learn from that and, and move on. The other thing is we didn't plan I – didn't, I had no plans of running. But when Corker decided that he wasn't going to – uh, run for the spot again, it opened up this spot and then phone calls started and we said, you know, let's, well, we all got together and we said, let's, let's do this. And so we didn't have years of preparation or, or months of preparation. We were kind of putting together a team as we were campaigning. That's, that's very difficult. It had been a hard, you know, even if I won the primary, it would have been really hard to beat. Uh, somebody who uh, who's who is an ex governor has a ton of money, you know, uh, has more money to spend on a race than if you if you come up with ten, he'll come up with twenty. If you come up with twenty, he'll come up with forty. So very very hard uphill climb anyway. Uh, I would have loved the opportunity because I think I. I think I could have beaten him on the issues, but it would have been a somebody would have had to take a chance on us and and back us in a big way. And uh, I was talking to somebody who had run before and in a Senate seat here in Tennessee, and he was telling me his game plan was if he got close enough, he thought if he got close enough to his competitor towards the end of the primary that uh, people would come out of the woodwork uh, pouring money in his campaign, and it didn't happen that way. So hard to beat the establishment if you're thinking, and I knew that going in. I'm thinking, okay, when I was managing the budget, I was thinking to myself, okay, we want to save enough gas for the end to make a final push because from talking to somebody who had been in this position, it still doesn't come in from the outside. So two things. One, uh, and you mentioned something earlier about, um, you know, they feel like they've, you know, paid their dues. And one of the things that's uh, been rife in the Republican Party, especially even, you know, towards the top, you know, presidential races I'll mention, and probably others, and the Democrats uh, seem to have adopted that at least in 2016, is that their next turnism. Oh, it's my turn. It's my turn. I mean, it, it yeah, happened with McCain. Yeah, yeah. It happened to Bush. It happened to Romney. You know, it's like whoever became the second place, person in the primary of the uh of the election well that it was their turn to become the nominee you know next time around and, and it's about you yeah. know paying their dues and it's become uh and the republicans i think adopted that with with, with hillary um but you know with it being a party then that's the problem with it in, in my opinion a two-party system is that yeah. you know <laughs> excuse me i mean it's it's their game it's their club it's not about the people anymore it's about it's it's about the party not about the people anymore and two 
is, and you mentioned about learning, I mean, yeah, this is kind of the first time we've had, not first time, but in a long time, we've had a non-politician, you know, being the president of the United States, you mentioned PACs, you know, yeah. 2018 is very important, but maybe in the future, maybe if, let's say, you know, uh, Trump gets elected again in 2020, maybe he should look around and hopefully hear from enough people, hey, let's start the uh, a PAC early, you know, early so that we can get, you know, garner funds. Not just you know to actually you know siphon out not siphon but funnel out to all these different uh, you know grassroots candidates because as you're pointing out or you know we pointed out here that you know it, it is going to take in order to clean the cesspool it is going to take folks like yourself uh, to be able to do that and, and, and get back to you know having representatives how they were supposed to be at least you know the way I, I exactly, think exactly. but we do have exactly. uh, wow we got a number of callers who'd like to speak with you. Um, and so um, I'm going to let you guys in and gals in in the order that uh, you called in, okay, because I think that's the fairest way. Um, and so let's go ahead, and first we will bring in Susan. Uh, and then after Susan, we have John and then Suzette and then Kelly. And we do have other folks on the line. If you'd like to uh, speak in, uh, push the one on your number dial, and we will get you into the show. Thank you very much, Susan, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Um, I'm fine. You got to congratulate me. Congratulations. <laughs> I got a letter. I am now on the list from Senator Fred S. Martin of the Idaho State Senate. <laughs> so now I'm on their target, not just the Federal Senate in Congress. Oh, Lord. <laughs> we did this and we did that and we did this and, you know. Of course, he wants money or, or a vote or something, but I've never gotten a personal letter from anybody there before. So I was just like, uh-oh. <laughs> so, Robert, you'll have to bail me out one of these days from somewhere. <laughs> well, Winneman, Idaho, do you have any uh, questions, I think, for our guest this evening? Ah, uh, well, um I, I just don't understand why you quit. I, I mean, I know you said you learned, but, um, you know, uh should never give up. Okay, so here's the deal. So uh, the, the way it works here in Tennessee is they remove me from the ballot. There's no appeal. There's no, there's no people that you can – go to the you can't go to the national party or there's there's nothing you can do so we had a choice and we prepared papers of going to to court over this but there's plenty of court cases that this has already happened in the republican party is is a club you know they can decide oh, yeah. uh, who's in the club, who's in the club and who's not in the club so uh, I could have spent a whole bunch of money uh, going through a court case where the the outcome wasn't completely. Look, it was probably going to be a, we'd have a ten percent chance of of maybe staying on the ballot. But there's so many court cases already out there where this has been challenged before, and they have the right to do uh, whatever they want. I mean, they're. That they're they're it's the Republican Party is is a club and you you have to get in that club so it's their right so if you what if about you going, it? Go, 
a write-in candidate. A write-in candidate. I, again. You would write run that way, yeah. Yeah, that. Yeah, again, I'm I'm a Republican. I wanna I wanna work okay. within the Republican Party to to make it better, and I, I see ways that it could be better. Uh, I I don't, you know, I'm not happy about the decision. I'm not. Believe me, I was very upset, angry, everything that you could possibly think of uh, with the decision. But I'm also pragmatic and. All right, show us your team. You got girly number one. Who else? The guy went uh, a little bit of a. What was that? Okay. I don't know. I think something the, uh, popped in on my computer. Sorry. Well, <laughs> okay. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm a surgeon, so I really is, things are pretty much uh, black and white. You know, this is this is it. We got to do surgery on this. You know, this is so. Uh, it became very logical for me, you know, once I saw the path and you go, okay, um, take your emotion out of this, get really logical about it. Uh, emotionally, I know, you know, I want to fight, 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 fight. Uh, but logically, what is it going to get me? It, you know, you become that person that can't work within the system. You become that person who, uh, uh, uh doesn't have a chance anymore and then you alienate people and my my goal is to get people on my side because we're doing the right thing the just thing and uh, I could have you know said oh well I'm righteous and you know I'm I'm fighting the system and I'm fighting the man but it wouldn't have got me to where I want to be All right. Do you do? Uh, and, and then, and John, will let you in, uh, you know, in a, a little bit. But I want to ask this: is you know, because we have a lot of folks, you know, who are Republicans. Uh, we, we used to say, you know, you know, no, why are you wasting with the Republican Party after what they <laughs> did with you in 2012? Um, you know, with, with the convention and everything. But anyway, just with the election, we could, you know, I could tell you some kind of stories. But but they're like, oh, well, they're, you know, you love the Republican Party. They want to save the party. Uh, and we've had a number of folks on here, you know, candidates who, you know, they sound real libertarian or they sound real con- more like they belong more to the Constitution Party than what the Republican Party is now. You know, a lot of folks, you know, because I, I actually support a multi uh, a multi-party system. I think the, the duopoly between the Republican and, and Democrat parties just isn't, you know, good for the America anymore. Isn't good for the people anymore. Um, but that being said, is that I mean, do you? I mean, I, I guess you really think that, you know, I guess maybe could, you know, I think you're conservative. You know, conservatism can take over the Republican Party or the a, a way that maybe the established can actually be beaten within the Republican Party or the the rhinos, as some call it. I mean. How do you think that's here's, possible? I mean, is that possible? If so, how? Yeah, I think it is possible. Look, Barry Goldwater started a, a wave, right? And and you got Ronald Reagan. Loved him. So, you know, this is a new wave. I, this is a, a conservative wave, and maybe this is the beginning. So Barry Goldwater didn't, didn't get there, uh, but he worked and worked, and he got a whole bunch of disciples, and then, bam, we get Ronald Reagan. And maybe that's what it's going to take. It's going to take a lot of people standing up 
and saying this is this is the the right road and <laughs> believe me my message was resonating you know we're 21 to 22 trillion dollars in debt we're borrowing 300 to 600 billion dollars uh, a year our healthcare system is about to implode our education system is not where it should be our uh, federal government is ballooning uh, out of control we have a huge illegal immigration problem we our military is tiny and we're thinking it's this huge thing that can go to all parts of the world and and do all sorts of things and even go down to the border and 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 help our illegal immigration problem so my uh, what i was talking about on the campaign trail was working but look See, instead of talking about the issues, and this is the reason why I wanted to jump, jump, you know, I didn't give up. I tried everything I could to get on the ballot. But all of a sudden, all the conversation became about uh, me and what happened with the bylaws and being pulled off the ballot. Instead of the issues that we have to deal with, and those issues are still going to be there, and I'm going to continue traveling the state talking about those issues, and I want to put this part of what happened behind me because it's such a small part of what we were doing in the campaign. You're talking about three or four days of the campaign, of a campaign where we were going out and people were, my message was resonating and people were understanding what I was talking about and people were getting fired up about it, and I want to get back to that. So, yeah, it didn't work for me this time to run for the Senate, but I'm not giving up. I want to continue to get out there and get my message heard and get as many people onto it and start, start a revolution, start a conservative uh, revolution. You know, Ron Paul uh, did it, you know, where he was talking about the things that he was talking about and he got a whole bunch of people into the political system that weren't there before. I was getting people who, weren't were lukewarm on getting into politics and talking about these things getting really fired up so instead of talking about instead of continuing that wave i can sit here and bemoan the fact that uh on a on a bylaw technicality i was uh, thrown off the ballot for whatever reason whether it was you know for my competition or establishment or whatever it doesn't matter but I can sit there and just talk about that all day, and, or I can go back to the issues and talking about what needs to happen in this country. And do you think whoever becomes the, the, the nominee, uh, that being said, do you think whoever becomes the nominee for the Republicans, uh, do you think by you know, going around the state and uh, you know, putting out those ideas and things of that nature, I'm presuming at this point that Perhaps it's to hope not only for your, you know, your, your own purpose, your own goal, but also in the hopes that that candidate uh, would kind of pick up, you know, I guess part of your message and, and perhaps uh, put that on the national level. Yeah, that's great that you mentioned that because what we saw on the campaign trail, uh, you know, my, my talk on illegal immigration got co-opted, which is great, by the, the front runner and the person who – you know, probably will win the primary now, Marsha Blackburn, but she started picking up on what we were saying about illegal immigration and, and really putting that as part of her, uh, part of her stump speech. So, yeah, I, 
I, I was happy about that. And again, I, I would have liked to have continued that. And, uh, but, you know, I'm going to still talk about these things when I get out there and, and meeting people, you know, we, uh, I had meetings set up with uh, a bunch of, uh, uh, potential Republican voters, and you know, I'm going to continue to fulfill those those talk, kind of like this radio show. You know, we we get to talk about some of these issues, and and I and I get there, and I want to keep uh, all those going on. We think about uh, the conversation. Let's go ahead and bring in John. Uh, thank you very much, uh, John, for uh, coming on the show. And then we got Suzette and Kelly and uh, others. Uh, yep, more have called in to push the one on your number dial. I'll get you into the show. Uh, go ahead, John. Thanks for coming to the hey, show. Hey, Robert. I'm glad to hear you're back up in Adam, and I hope your daughter had a great birthday. Thank hope you. You're well. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm working I, on it. <laughs> I'm not 100, percent but I'm working on it. There you go. We'll uh, we'll be praying with you. I know. But anyway, for those of us who are Republicans, I'm really discouraged that now my elitist Republican party is actually trying to nullify my right to vote for the candidate I see fit. So therefore, the bigger issue is if we turn a blind eye to this and allow it to continue, our kids are going to suffer with the same thing. So what? They opted, you know, this other person opted to take your talking points on immigration. The point of it is they just give lip service to it till they get in office and then they run roughshod over your you know, constituents just not doing the will of the people, and that's why we continue to have a corrupt, rigged system. So and that's one of my concerns. The other concern is it sounds like that Miss Marsha Blackburn is moving from the House of Representatives to the Senate. So why can't have you thought about taking her seat, possibly? Yeah, no, there's a, there's a conservative going into her seat, uh, uh, Dr. Green, uh, who is a state representative and uh, going for her seat. You know, a, a two-year, you know, and I thought about a, a congressional seat, and that's, that's fine. I had I had ideas of, uh, I think the Senate, you get enough time to go in there and change it. I'm not, I'm not saying I would never go for a congressional seat because uh, we need good congresspeople. Uh, I think the the things that need to be fixed, it would be hard to go in there for one year, try to fix health care, and then go back on the campaign trail to keep your seat. That's why I was thinking a Senate seat would be good to try to fix some of these things that are going on. But, yeah, it's, you know, the the voters, and this is what we tried to do when this rule came down. I told people, look, you need to call your state executive committee representatives and voice your displeasure at what's going on to see if we could get some some traction and maybe get some change. And I don't think we got enough to get them to change their mind or get the chairman to change their mind. So that's why when I didn't see that happening, that they weren't going to budge, then, you know, me pursuing a legal, a legal battle. But that's that what if you don't like what's going on, then you got to be really proactive, get other people to be proactive, and vote people in who are going to do what you what you want to do. Yeah, I, I understand the legal battle is very 
uphill climb and it's a lot of money. But also at the same time, I was curious, you know, for people such as myself, I am a registered Republican. And I'm like going, hey, this signals to me and hopefully to the rest of the people listening to the show, or if you have friends that are registered Republicans, tell them about this podcast, give them a link to it, and make sure that they can listen to this. These are important things about the posterity of our country and where we're headed yeah. in the future. And our, if, we, if our local, you know, I'm, or I should say our state um, party affiliate, Regardless of what party you are, if you're in the Green Party, you're in the Democratic Party, or whatever, if the if the leaders in that organization are appointing a chairman to nullify your right to self-select the person that you think is most qualified to, you know, lead you in governance, they've deprived you of your pursuit of happiness and your right to self-govern and to be a free and equal citizen. They've regulated you as nothing, nullified you, yeah. period. And so yeah. from that standpoint, I hope anybody and everybody listening, to put, regardless of what party you're in, you find out what the bylaws say and all the rules, because the rules committees on these organizations, they kind of try to rig the system. It's just like what we heard back during the campaign whenever the um, RNC was having their rules committee thing, and we had – uh, Mike Lee stand up in the middle of the doggone rules committee and say, oh, you know, all of the delegates, you get to vote your conscience. In other words, ignore Donald Trump, vote for Ted yeah, Cruz, yeah. what he was saying. Well, hey, I liked Ted Cruz first until I found out he was an illegitimate citizen. He's not even a qualified citizen. And it's sad that Trump isn't coming from more of a um, perspective of, of Ted Cruz. But then I found out Ted Cruz, his wife, was a part of the CFR, and then, the, anyway, I don't want to go down that track. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But the point of it is, no, I, is I, we, look, go, I real exactly. go ahead. I know exactly Dr. what Torres, he's saying. Go ahead. Yeah, I know exactly what he's saying, and I feel his, his frustration that, uh, you know, we it, it is a denial of what we were Supposed to have in terms of these elections, and I agree with you in terms of the two-party system uh, isn't working. I you go to uh, England, they you know they have a different system, but they have several different parties with all several separate different ideas, and you have a choice between five or six uh, different parties who are all significant and all have the opportunity to advance their their agenda, but. You know, in our two-party system, you know, this these things happen, and you you kind of scratch your head and go, man, this is this is terrible. You know, this is uh, we, we need to uh, come up with something different, and that's why it's going to take uh, a revolution. And people people are frustrated. Mm-hmm. I, I traveled all Tennessee, and people are frustrated with what's going on, and they don't really feel that they have a voice. And then when they finally find somebody that they have a voice. Uh, they get X'd out, but uh, we got to keep fighting. You know, I get people who are saying, uh, I give up. I, I can't believe this has happened. I give up, and I just tell them, look, don't, I'm not giving up. Don't give up. Let's, let's keep fighting, and things happen, and it may not happen in a year. This, and it's not going to happen this year, but it, it'll happen uh, in the future. But for now, we've got to elect the – 
you know, from what we have. So one last one one last point. Um, what do you think about those of us, the you know, members, Republican Party members, calling these people that are in those positions, like the chairman, and tell them, hey, we want a copy of the bylaws and all the rules. And if there's any rules in there that says that you or anybody else gets to vet the Republican uh, candidates before we, the people, get a say, then we're out of the party and we're not contributing any more money to this party. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think, again, I was trying to get people to call their state uh, committee representatives and say, hey, we, you know, we want you to look again at this thing. I got lumped in with you know, a whole bunch of other people. And I thought my credentials in terms of meeting the uh, requirements of the bylaws were, uh, was strong enough for them to keep me on the ballot. And I was hoping that enough people would call in. So that's why people have to be engaged and, and active, because I think if they would have had enough calls in that it would have made a difference, I think, uh, they may have reconsidered their decision and and put me on the ballot, but it you know it wasn't enough. It's hard to get people to do anything. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. I tell you what, it's like it's like hurting cats sometimes. Uh, as one of our uh, former panelists used to say. Um, yeah. That. Uh, but but you know I don't know how much time you were able to give us tonight. I know it's it's almost been an hour, but we you know we we've got more callers, so I didn't know if. Uh, You'd be open to have more yeah. discussion, or if you have to go, or what's yeah, yeah. you know, what's it like? Yeah, let's uh, yeah, let's do uh, ten more minutes, and then uh, we can go from there. Okay, well, let's go ahead and uh, get Suzette in. Uh, she's uh, calling from California, so we're we're, we're getting calls from all over in Idaho and Florida, and now California, so we're all over the place. Uh, and actually, Kelly's next from California as well. Uh, but thank you very much, Suzette, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? Hi, I'm well, thank you. Um, well, I just want to say I'm sorry to hear about your your plight there. It's sad to to uh, hear when things like that happen. Um, may I ask how many volunteers you had on the ground working for you? Oh, we we had many, and we were we were gaining. I I would say at least we were 50 very active and 100 strong and ready to be activated, and we were gaining. We were gaining three or four people a day. We were getting uh, students who were coming in and wanting to be part of it every day. I was getting a new student calling me and, and getting a hold of me. We, we would have had a strong campaign, but we, you know, we were building a team as we were going. So I think that's, that's very difficult. Somebody was telling me who's, who's been in politics for a long time that to run for the U S Senate, it, people are putting together teams, you know, two years before, they yeah. actually run. So, exactly. And they're, so they're that, kind of active throughout those two years prior to you, you exactly. running. So, you know, you know we're, we're going to be, we're going to be back on the scene. We're, you know, our, our team is uh, very motivated. We're very excited because we want these issues uh, dealt with and we're hoping they get dealt with soon because we can't continue to go down this road. Right. Rack, and as you were saying, rack, about the um, running or actually being a house member and then having to worry about reelection coming up after two years. And in the meantime, um, what I hear there, I believe it's just the house, but um, 
Republican members have to dial for dollars in between throughout their day while in session as well. Yeah. Being yeah. So that's very time consuming as well. I don't know. Yeah, that is. Seems, I mean, I, I, I think me, because the, go ahead. My, my plan going in was very specific. Like, here, here are the things that we're going to do. And this is because one of the problems with health care is people come in, and they try to do a huge health care makeover. The, you know, 2000 page Affordable Care Act is a perfect example. And our thing was we're going to go bill by bill. And I had six or seven bills that were single bills to try to steer the Titanic away from the iceberg. And that takes more than, you know, one year and then doing phone calls, fundraising, and then on the campaign trail. If you see your congressman, he's after that first year, he's back on the campaign trail. So mm-hmm. He's got people running against him, and, and it's just this never-ending trying to get reelected instead of uh, getting in there and, and getting stuff done. Well, as you were saying, um, you know, at least you got your feet wet, and now you know that basically what you're going to do now, your strategy would be to learn the game. And, you know, so that way you can change the game because it's a game right now. And if you're going to change the game at all, you have to learn to play. And that's where you're kind of at right now, just figuring those in and out. Yeah, I thought, you know, in looking at it now without being emotional, I think that's Mm – is that – the way I'm looking at it now, I'm just thinking, yeah, you know, they, they pulled the the Statue of Liberty play, they pulled the trick play uh, in the football game, and I wasn't ready for it, and, you know, they scored a touchdown. So, sure. You know, well, most touchdown. people that go in that have never been in before have the approach of, I want to go in, people are going to hear my message, I'm going to change things, I want to change things, things do need to change, and that's true. But going in with that strategy is pretty much a losing strategy because of the game. It's and that's yeah. what it is. If you don't have that mindset, then, you know, you've already been defeated before you even step in the ring. So yeah. that's good. That's good. You should do well the next time yeah. around. And that kind of brings me to a real quick thought um, is, you know, you know, people our age, because I guess we're all kind of, you know, youngish here. Um, but I remember this over Christmas, or was it Thanksgiving? I think maybe even Thanksgiving last year. uh uh, you know, could people think this, you know, thing with corruption, stuff like that, you know, you know and, and again, but the title is, you know, what is happening to America's once trusted institutions. And this isn't really something that that it's, is that recent. I mean, remember uh, that movie, uh, 1940 something, maybe even 1940, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. talking about corruption. Yeah. They were talking about corruption back when that movie was, that was like, was it 1940 or something like that? I mean, that's 80, yeah. that's 80 years ago. It's going on 100 years. For, uh, yeah. This country ain't that old. Well, that's 235 or, or something. So almost a third of our country's existence, people were thinking, man, this is, this is corrupt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That was my, that Once was my upon view. time, there was a, you know, when we, our elected but, officials were serving, it was a service that you were, you that's what you would go do is serve. And many, many times there would be people that didn't want to go because they had a successful business, but the people had yeah, wanted them in office. And so it was to serve. And now it's more or less a career. And that's the wrong mindset to have if you're going to be there in Washington, but that's the way it is. That's the way it's gone. Yeah. People want to stay in power. That's what I found in DC and they will do these 
that they will do anything that they can to stay in power. Whereas my, my feeling was, look, I, I have a successful business. I'm a surgeon. I've got all these things uh, going on. I just want to go try to get something done and then come back to the operating room. And that's not the way uh, a career politician thinks. They want to continue to, to just stay in power. Like, look, right. so this, They've been groomed, this, you know, probably from birth <laughs> to be a congressman <laughs> or a senator. Look, this, this decision happened to me, but next day I got to come uh, back to work and I've got a whole bunch of patients I got to operate on. So my, my focus all of a sudden becomes back to uh, getting this done. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yep. Yeah, and there was a quick point I was going to make tonight. To be honest, I forgot it. So uh, I think I'll use that uh, little bit of forgetfulness to go ahead and uh, bring in Kelly uh, again uh, from California. So thank you very much, Kelly, uh, for coming. To the, and hopefully I remember what I was saying. But anyway, go ahead, Kelly, uh, for coming to the show. How are you tonight? And we go ahead. Well, wet. We're getting some good rain. But uh, hello, everybody. Um, yeah, and I'm glad this guy's running. Somebody's stepping up to the plate. Um, congratulations, at least. And moving forward and doing something. Um, yeah, so we got a Republican uh, a few weeks ago. We had a Libertarian. We've had Constitution Party, Green Party, Democrats even. Sometimes I feel like Dorothy, the Wizard of Oz, walking through the woods. Uh, <laughs> Democrats, Republicans, and Independents. Oh, my. Um, <laughs> but we but we all get along here. So I, I did I know, want I remember to what else you asked, but go ahead, Kelly. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I did want to um, uh, let my fellow activist um, – well, I, I too have suffered from the good old boys, and uh, it's not fun. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, if they don't like you, I mean, my gosh, if the upper chain of command doesn't like you, you can be very frustrated rather quickly. I've attended the National Libertarian Convention and two state conventions. State convention went pretty well the first time. Got a resolution that I proposed, passed unanimous. The second one didn't go so good. I was having an idea that maybe as libertarians we should separate out, you know, what are our, you know, as a state party, the platform playing. Maybe we should separate things out like federal, state, and local. You know, separate out these different beliefs. And uh, I went to the floor to start proposing it, but somebody budged in front of the microphone claiming he was already sitting. You know, it, all sorts of games happen, okay? And I found out rather quickly, you know, if you're the new guy with the best of intentions, a sweetheart, wonderful husband, lots of kids, help the community, but they just don't know you, um, it can be a miserable experience. And so I I learned something, and I think I might go to this spring's LP convention with the state here in California. And um, I think I might try to find somebody who could kind of teach me the ropes. Because the thing that flanked me, and I, I'm sure that was your experience, you know, how, how, how did you feel about it getting flanked? Because I felt flanked. I felt like, what? And it really, I didn't know the ropes of the ship. I didn't know uh, the minefields, and I got flanked, and I'm like, what just happened? And so 
with that said, I would I would encourage people to go to a state convention, you know, pick your party, independent, libertarian, whatever, and watch all the dynamics. Because these good old boys, they, they use the ropes against you. And if you don't know how to be prepared for it, if you don't know their tricks, they can just put you under the rug real quick. It's just rather interesting. I and mean, obviously I made a lot of allies and a lot of connections, but, you know, it's just uh, um, that's just the way it is in the party. So I, I guess did you learn some of the ropes? Did you understand how you'll be ready next time? I guess that would be the question for you. Well, you know, I think what uh, what's encouraging to me is that we had so many people that were listening to the issues that I was bringing up and saying, yeah, I, you know, I agree with this guy and people were upset when uh, this happened and I wasn't on the ballot. So I accomplished a lot in a very short time. And if, uh, if we could get enough people coming on, then you can create a movement that no matter what little games are played, you can overcome them. So, I, again, you just look at what Trump did. You know, they, there were so many little games. I don't know if you remember a time in the debate where uh, Bush said, you will never be president. I don't know if you guys remember that. And what he was talking about was that good old boy, look, you haven't been uh, coordinated by the right people. You will never be you will never be president. So, but the movement was so strong. So many people were following the movement that his statement became just a, a joke. And we're getting our message out there. More and more people are listening to the message. They, they're not going to get a chance to vote for me this time, but I, I'm not giving up. They're not giving up. We're, we're going to get more people and the, the movement will get stronger and, if the movement is, is strong enough, then something like this would have not been able to to take me off the ballot. You know, we would have overcome. That's a very good point. It. That's it. You know, that's, you got to get so strong that all these little games don't matter. You know, somebody somebody pulls the Statue of Liberty trick on you, and you're up fifty. You're up fifty points, so their little seven points doesn't matter. Well, you know, I tell you what, that's a, I mean, that's a, and that's a great point, and that and that's a concern, seriously, because um, it was a movement, and you know, I've interviewed, I, I interviewed many folks from, you know, because I went to a number of rallies, uh, and and that's how they described, you know, what was going on, and I agree. I mean, it, it definitely was a movement, and my concern is, is it's going to take another movement, in my opinion, the size of the movement it was in 2016 during this 2018. But that blue wave that we keep hearing about, uh, I think it's going to be coming either one. Uh, and no, I think the blue wave is going to be coming because people are going to be so convinced that even if you have electronic voter fraud, which I think is going to be rife in 2018. Um, and what I think is if there's no physical show of, you know, of a movement, you know, supporting Donald, you know, Trump and supporting Republicans and things of that nature, unless you have a, like uh, Jim Connor Jr. was on uh, the show, and he said when he was driving throughout Ohio, he, he knew Trump had Ohio just by the amount of, of Trump signs compared to Hillary signs yeah. in Ohio. And, and not just yeah. Ohio, but throughout the country. And that's how he kind of knew 
Trump's got this. You know, there was a physical sign. I mean, you could go to the rallies and you could see how many people were at the Trump rallies compared to the Hillary Clinton rallies. You could see physically, you know, that. So we need that in 2018, or else they're going to steal the election by hook or by crook. The Democrats are going to win the House, and I think there will be voter fraud. But people are going to believe the results because if there's not a physical manifestation out there of showing of the support, then they're, they're going to take it because they're going to have people so believing in their mind you know, that, yeah, well, because of the pendulum swings. The P- and I was telling Alex about this earlier. Um, you know, they all oh, the pendulum swings, the American people, which I don't believe this conventional wisdom. All oh, the people want to see a split, you know, a split administration. I mean, you know, split uh, balance of power. And, you know, Democrats in the Congress when there's a Republican president, vice versa, blah blah blah. People want to see that. I think that's crap because for the past 40 years we've done that, and what has gotten done. Nothing. We're still talking about immigration. We're still talking about budgets. We're still talking about guns. We're still talking about, you know, whatever for the past 40 years. Uh, and, and then you and have so Mitch McConnell conceding to the blue wave. Don't forget that. Well, yeah, He's already and then you got to the blue wave. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because now, and, and we're going to get more into that in our, our second and third segment. But I did want to ask this before we get it. Now, of course, part of that, and you talked about politicians wanting to stay in power, and I said this, and we're already starting to hear it. I said this earlier today. Early this morning when I seen that Ryan was not going to reelect, I said, you know what? The Democrats and the mainstream media, the liberal media, are going to couch this as, oh, well, he's seeing the blue – You know, he's seeing what's happening, that he's not going to be the, the Speaker of the House next year. So that's my question well, to you. Um, you can do a few more questions. Right. Is What do you think about him st- uh, not uh, running for reelection? Well, well, let me just put my two cents in on uh, what I see. So I've traveled the whole state of Tennessee. I haven't done the whole country, but I can just tell you what I've seen in the state of Tennessee is that uh, you, how do you stop a wave? You've got to get people energized, and how do you get people energized is with your, uh, what you're talking about and your inspiring talk and getting people fired up and the, the, the best person that I've seen do that in my time is is Ronald Reagan but what I'm seeing is, is there's a there's a vacuum uh, you know Paul Ryan people talk about Paul Ryan it was Paul Ryan getting out there and energizing uh, people people were people inspired by uh, what he was saying and what he was talking about and there's you know there's that is what's lacking right now in both parties and, and you know the the only one that even kind of tapped into it in in 16 uh besides Trump was was Bernie Sanders but you know in a just a socialist way but what's going to have to happen is where are those inspirational leaders that get people energized to come out and vote and i'm not seeing a lot of those out there and i think that's what we saw here in Tennessee is when I would get out there and speak and talk about what I was talking about, people get inspired, they get energized, energized enough to go out to vote. So when people are talking about Democrat, yeah, that, that'll get your core people who will always vote. But when you're talking about how do you get a huge group or a wave or something like that, it's got to be somebody inspirational that people are like, wow, this is like, this is some. This is somebody that I can follow. This is somebody that 
you know, I, I usually don't vote in primaries, but I'm so this guy going to go out there and vote. And that's what, to me, that's what's lacking. And that was the void. That was the, 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 the thing that I was feeling here in Tennessee is that inspirational voter. I don't, I don't really think they should have taken me off the ballot. I think I would have brought in a whole bunch of people that normally would have not been energized to go to the polls, whether I would have won the primary or not won the primary. I think what the Republican party should have done is kept me in this race because I would have brought in uh, a group of voters that, that normally would have not come in. Personally, I was afraid. Personally, I think they're afraid you were going to (laughs) win. Yeah. I, yep. And I, again, I, I wasn't, it wasn't my turn basically. So I, th- I think that, that, that had a lot to do with it, but if I was, you're again, right though, we need, up, we need people with, that can generate energy. We need somebody with, or people with presence, stage presence, presence to energize the party. Like you said, to get things we, moving. The, you know, when I got on college campuses and I talked to young people, it was like, Oh, you know, that, they were just flocking to our uh, to to our campaign, and that's what you need. That's what you need that this this new group of uh, young voters coming out. They they want to be inspired, and they they're not falling for the normal political speak of yeah, you know, a chicken in every pot. They they they're more in tune than what people think into what's going on. You know, I was going on campuses, and I was telling people. Uh, and none of the politicians are talking about this. Look, tuition is going up four times the rate of inflation. The new debt bubble, if you think about what happened in the mortgage crisis, remember the banks asked for $800 billion to bail themselves out. Right now we've got $1.4 trillion of unpaid student loans that the government has guaranteed. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens when the government tells the the taxpayer, hey, uh, sorry about this, but we're going to have to add on another $1.4 trillion uh, to our debt because we guaranteed the banks for these student loans. And this is the stuff that I was talking on campus, and students were like, man, I, nobody's ever come here and talk like that. And they were like, this is, this is new to us. And, yeah, these are issues that are affecting us on, like, why are tuition so high and why are we uh, – getting these high loans and we're graduating and how are we going to pay these, these huge loans and why is college so expensive? And these are things that nobody is talking about. So if you want to get that group, you got to talk about things that are pertinent to them. They're not even thinking about Medicare. So going and going to a college campus and telling them about Medicare, what do they know? I mean, what they're not thinking about that. You know, you got to talk to the, talk to the audience about the issues that, that matter to them. And, and 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 one other thing, I mean, and you're welcome to stay through us as, as long as you like. Uh, but of course, you know, one of the things we're going to discuss tonight, and it's of course in the news, and it's breaking this week, I guess you could say. It's been coming up for a while. Uh, of course, the whole Mueller investigation, and now the uh, the raid on President uh, Trump's personal <laughs> uh, lawyer, personal attorney. Uh, you know, what what's your thoughts on uh, what's your thoughts on that? 
we have some real serious issues to be dealing about, and we're getting caught up in this silly, uh, uh, titillating things like uh, Stormy Daniels and raiding on a law office and all this other stuff. <laughs> We've got some serious problems. You know, you go to the Middle East, and they're worried about you go to Israel and they're worried about getting bombed from Iran and uh, the Gaza Strip and the West Bank. And, you know, the, they're not getting into scandals about a uh, stripper or a, uh, you know, who slept with who. But, you know, this is the stuff that's making news. And I just talked about $1.4 trillion of unpaid student loans. Yeah, that's not sexy as a. Uh, (laughs) whatever but you know the headline is stormy daniels and not you know 22 trillion dollars in debt so sometimes i think it's bread and circus is what is what they're showing us but by the way (laughs) is, is not being dealt with it's like this is the this is the meat that we should be dealing with you know and everybody wants to deal with the dessert you know it's like We've got some real, real, real issues that need to be dealt with, like, right now, because we are empires, empires collapse. They don't go on forever, mm-hmm. and it's usually, it's usually from within, and that's what's happening. That's what's happening here. Decadence, you know, if you look at the great Roman Empire, it started with, like, stupid decadence that was going within the empire, and uh, nobody was dealing with it thinking that the whole, you know, the Roman, the, uh, the empire would continue on and it, it falls and it falls from within, not from outside invaders. And that's what's going on uh, right now. And we're dealing, we're, we're talking about, Oh, the rating of a, of a law office because uh, the president had an affair with uh, some porn actress and really, is this what we need to be spending our time with? Or uh, Paul Ryan's not going to run again. Heck, we got $22 trillion in debt right here. I really don't care about Paul Ryan. I really don't care about Stormy Daniels. I'm worried about the country, and I've got three daughters that we're piling on all this debt that they're going to be responsible for. That's, that's the stuff that I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about, hey, you were pulled off the ballot. Who cares? Okay, I got pulled off the ballot. Yes, it's a, a big deal, but let's get back to the other bigger issues that we have to deal with. An imploding healthcare system. Uh, uh, veterans coming back from these wars, and they have a high suicide rate. They're homeless. They're not getting the, the health benefits the, that they need. You know, we have these insurance uh, plans that are these huge deductibles, high premiums, high co-pays. Nobody's dealing with that. The VA is, is, is terrible. We've got this uh, Department of Education that's getting more and more money, and they're uh, imposing their will on more and more local schools. You've got teachers that are burned out because they're over-testing all the time. It, we've got some real issues. We've got to deal with the real issues and just forget all the bread and circus. Those issues are in the, you know, as far as what I understand, the point that you're making is those seem to be the bigger points that we should be focused on. My point yeah. is the underlying foundation of trust in the rule of law is being ripped yeah. and broken 
And those yep. those things are more important because it's not that, you know, President Trump had this relationship with this woman. It's more importantly our Department of Justice and the judicial system wrote, what's his name, Rod Rosenstein or whatever, and then uh, Jeff Sessions. They're allowing the corrupted process of due process, you know, the civil procedures. You know, where's the relevant evidence? Where's the um, material evidence for any of the applications that were applied for to get a probable cause warrant to do anything they did with Manafort or Michael Cohen? You know, those are the underlying principles that are the foundation of what makes all this other stuff work. If we deny that and we're still focused on the things you're talking about, we still miss the point because the system is still rigged to the big bricks that can manipulate that. I I agree with you. Hey, guys, I'm going to have to uh, step out. uh, I've I've enjoyed being on. uh, Oh, no, we thank you all the time you spent with us. Yeah, right, definitely. Good luck too. with uh, with with getting those. Yeah, because those are some great points you want to get out. Hopefully, they will. You know, you know, adopt more of them. And actually, and and to John's point, not only give it lip service when you know they're 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 campaigning. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, if they do get you know in the position, they actually live up to them. I agree. All right. See you guys later. Thank you. you. Too. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, it sounded like uh, we had a call there. We definitely uh, appreciate them. Actually, I'll be uh, – I was going to bring this up, but I guess I can email uh, him or, or Alex or, or what have you. Um, I'm actually going to be uh, in Tennessee uh the end of next month. Uh, I'm going to uh, take a little R&R just for the weekend for Memorial Day. Um, got a got a cabin down there, rent it, and I'm just going to kind of chill out in the woods for about two, three days. So <laughs> I'm looking forward uh, to that, I just hope I don't have a fender bender or a bumper bender or whatever because uh, I went down there in January, much to, uh, uh, you know, some some people's chagrin. I probably should not have left because <laughs> I ended up uh, right after a snowstorm and I ended up getting into an accident. Uh, probably one I'm lucky to get myself out of. <laughs> so, um so, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> that being said, at least the weather should be nicer. I don't know the way the, the weather's been, uh, you know, lately here and, uh, man, it's been awful. Uh, but anyway, so we do still have a number of folks on the line. Just push the one on your number dial. Uh, looks like, uh, let's go ahead and, uh, try to get, uh, Susan back on the line. Uh, then we had some background noise there for a bit. So we had to mute the mic. Uh, Susan, you're back with us. Nope, maybe I got the the wrong one here. Let's try this here. Uh, Susan, are you back with us? Well, I'm not hearing anything from Susan. Susan, uh, do you see out there? Just push the one on your number dial. We'll get you in. Uh, do you see other folks out there as well? Uh, push one on your number dial. Get in. And, I mean, and we are. I mean, I feel kind of. Uh, oh, what word am I looking for? Uh, oh. But anyway, I guess um, I don't want to use the word slapped down, but scolded maybe a little bit. And what I mean by that is our next two topics are talking about Paul Ryan and in the uh, – I mean, we don't have to be that. But, I mean, it does kind of put in perspective now that I think about it. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I am kind of talking about uh, all the different stuff that, you know, the minutia of you know, Paul Ryan and – but I think – I mean, but I, and uh, – 
in the rain, but I think actually you're, you, John, uh, brought up the more important part, you know, about it. I felt kind of like slapped down a little bit, like, eh, that's what we're talking about, but our guest, I mean, and, uh, nothing against our guests. I mean, because I agree with them that, yeah, we are really talking about, but on the surface, they do look like that. But I think uh, when you dig deeper into it, like I think you have, John, uh, about, you know, the importance of, okay, and I see Susan, I'll get you in a minute, Susan, when I'm done with my little spiel here. Um, it's the point that you uh, thing you pointed out, John. Is it's not really about you know all the the stormy Daniels. It's about how are they able to actually do this, you know, without probable, you know, with with, with only probable cause. And through my understanding, uh, you need a heck of a lot more than probable cause to be able to do what what they did in that raid. Um, and so, and then with with uh, my point with uh, you know talk about him stepping down. I mean, is that you know we got to prepare that. You know, the media is going to come start coming out, and the Democrats, and they're already doing it, through my understanding, saying, oh, well, this is all about the blue wave, which I'm telling you, we have to stop that blue wave, or you can free. I mean, you, let me tell you something. If there's a blue wave and the, and the Democrats do get, you know, and I'm not a big Republican fan, but you know that, but if the Democrats do take the House, you know we are going to be talking about impeachment. That that topic will be on the show with everywhere as everyone else. Donald Trump will be, you know, and I want to have an audio clip ready for us tonight about something I said back in July. And I'm telling you, if, if the Dems get in and there's an impeachment process, remember what I said back in July about Pence. I'm telling you, the reason why they want to put Pence in there is I think he could be much more easily controlled than, let's say, Newt Gingrich, who I think would have made a much better vice president. But anyway, let's go ahead and bring in. Uh, and I think that's what they're trying to do. Let's go ahead and bring in uh, Susan. Welcome back, Susan. How are you? Hi. Um, I, I didn't get to say uh, I hope your daughter had a great birthday. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, we had. Uh, we went to the Olive Garden, um, and that was her choice because she said, "Well, everybody likes our Olive Garden, so everybody can do there." And then uh, <laughs> I had. Uh, we had to postpone one of her parties because of the weather, but then we finally, I finally had uh, her birthday party is at a place called Scallywag Tag where they, you know, played, uh, 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 what was that, uh, laser tag and some miniature golf, oh. and they, you know, they ate pizza and played games and had cake and you know, which I still have some of the cake, which is actually was actually really good. Um, so yeah, she had a really good time. Her about you know eight or eight of her friends uh, had a good time that night. Thank you. That's, and speaking of my daughter, good. since you brought it up, see, I didn't want to, I didn't bring this up, but uh, since you brought your daughter up, I'm still doing uh, my campaign since we're a political show. I've been calling it my campaign uh, to send my daughter to Italy. And if you would like to help me in my campaign uh, to send her there next year, uh, you can go to the Bards Logics Political Talks Give page, and there's a link there where you can donate directly to the tour place. So I don't see any of that money. It actually goes directly to the tour uh, so that, you know, it brings down uh, the cost. My uh, long-term goal, I think, now is at $3,200, something like that. And the short-term goal is like $500 by, um, let's see, today's April until June. I think something in June or something like that. Uh, so June the, uh, the 9th, I like to have, you know, $500 more either in my contributions or donations. Uh, by, uh, I believe, June 9th. Uh, so that's kind of my short-term goal. And you can find the link, again, on the Give page at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. And uh, we thank you ahead of time. 
uh, for your donation. So I really appreciate that. Um, if you go to the website for that, so thanks for uh, that little segue, uh, Susan, because I wasn't really too comfortable bringing that up myself uh, directly. Okay. And I, like Dr. Well. Colbert, also, uh, uh, who's on the line, if you'd like to bring in, chime in, Dr. Colbert, about doing something with, uh, you know, if, if, if having a, uh, you know, if you donate, donate something and it's important for you to have. Uh, paperwork so you could do a, a write-off on it we could work something with uh dr Tolbert and his organization uh because of you know i have been actually sick for a, for, for a number of weeks now um that you know i really haven't been able to work a, a lot on some things uh but i'm trying to get through it and i'm thinking maybe only a couple more weeks and hopefully i'll be or maybe the end of this month or something i'll be at 100 percent. but anyway um, but but you know, back to your back to to you, Susan, on John's point uh, about you know you know well, I mean it, on the surface yeah it does seem like well this is stupid but I mean but they're doing some things and this is part of our you know for what is happening to Americans once trusted institutions uh, such as our FBI I mean what's going on with our FBI and what they think they can you know they can do I mean uh, I read I had an article and I might read it later. I mean, but it states the article. I mean, my God, if they could do this against uh, the attorney of the United, uh, the president of the United States, they could do that to anybody. Yep, they sure can. Um, and, and you know, it's funny. There's a guy that's not totally liberal, but he's definitely not conservative. And he said, "I don't like diamond and stuff," but he said, "They don't have a right to mess with them. They have a right for their followers and them to say what they want. It's a free country." I was like, yeah, I'll, I, that's great. I was talking about Facebook, what's going on with Facebook. I tell you what, Zuckerberg, man, when I just watched a little bit of um, the questioning, that, that that guy looked scared to death. <laughs> I hope he was. You know, I mean, you know, but uh, he did. He looked scared up there because he, I, I think he was certainly out of his element. <laughs> Probably was. I'm just wondering who he pissed off, even though, you know, he's he's liberal. I, I'm wondering what they were they're trying to do because Gates, I know they went after him and he folded, uh, you know, to save his company. And I'm wondering what Zuckerberg did. I think sometimes when you well, get well, to here's Gates, the thing. Like the, I don't. Wait, I, I mean, and I, and I I kind of might be on board with this. Um, not, I mean, hear me out when before you say saying you're on board with that. Um, is I think what they're doing, and, and as I think that they, you know, because really there's no other place right now to go right now than Facebook. But what I think they're trying to do, and it's a possibility, and I hope not, but maybe they're bringing this to light because they want to start regulating the internet, which is not. I am not a fan, and I do not. I mean, I you know, I, I don't support uh, the regulation of the internet at all. Um, I, I don't. I think that's the you know against the the First Amendment in the extreme to to regulate it, and I think that's what they're gonna they're gonna do. Um, now I don't like the idea, uh, but that's the thing. I mean, you could I, I think you could regulate to open up freedoms, like say, hey, look, you know, you can't uh, you know impinge on someone's freedom of speech. I mean, you can monitor it to make sure you're not having people recruiting you know terrorists and stuff like that. You know, I mean, heck, you mean being you can monitor stuff like that, right? Um, but to say that, <clears throat> you know, you can't say something because of that content because it could be dangerous, 
Well, you know, I mean, what about personal responsibility? Or, and if there's young kids on there, that's the responsibility of the parents, not the government, to make sure that their kids aren't seeing anything on Facebook or wherever, for that matter, um, that they, they deem could be dangerous. I mean, that's the parents' responsibility, Robert, not the government. Robert, the other aspect, too, is whose biased um, perspective is the basis of dictating what is the meaning of terrorist? Because, see, if I'm, if I'm Hitler in office, then I see any freedom lover as a terrorist. Well, well and that's what I mean is, I mean, you go by, you know, you go by the United States. I mean, because it's one, you know, company. I mean, it's a, you know, you're talking about, you know, laws and and things in the United States. I mean, each or like China. I mean, I mean, we can't tell China that hey, you got to allow this to happen, right? You know, because of their laws are different. But with the First Amendment laws here in the United States, I mean, we can't be impinging on people's First Amendment rights in the United States. And in China, they can because that's the law of the land, right? That's the rule of law. You know, you respect even though you can have Facebook all across the world. You know, the law. You know, the the, the rule of law in that in that country should still be abided by. But it's like the same thing when the Patriot Act came out, and then, you know, about a year or so. I guess it, I don't remember exactly when it came out, but I noticed it either late 2002 or early 2003, and Depending on if who you're talking about, an enemy combatant can be an actual United States citizen just speaking out against the people who are already in power in the United States, and we already have them monitoring and censoring, you know, freedom of speech because they don't like you challenging their power. It's the same thing that we were just talking about with the gentleman that was running in Tennessee. The chairman is basically vetting the people that get to be a part of that Republican Party's um, candidate list and the actual members of the party, the Republicans who, you know, registered members, do not have a say in the rules at all. At all. So, therefore, he's defining who is actually an enemy combatant or a terrorist, and he's not allowing them to get on the ballot. Well, no, they're saying he's a enemy combatant or a, you know, or a terrorist, However, I mean, there is, you know, at least by the United States standards, you know, a definition for what a terrorist is, okay? And, I mean, what I'm saying by monitoring, I mean, you and me, we could sit and monitor the Internet. We could go to all different kind of groups and, 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 and things of that nature. We could look people's profiles up, you know, and think, no, we can't probably dig in the, you know, get their IP addresses and stuff like that. I mean, we, we don't have that capability. I mean, who knows? If you're a, a good enough hacker, you might be able to find out, you know, someone's IPS or whatever that, that's called. Um, you know, but, I mean, we can monitor, you know, Internet activity. We can, you know, we can activate it. You know, we can, you know, monitor it. Maybe, you know. But we're, but we're not in a position of government deciding the definition of who's, who's a candidate is eligible and who's not. See, when you take it away, no, I'm from talking the about terror. I'm talking right about terrorists. I mean, you know, somebody a jihadist, you know, in the United States, the terrorist, right? But it's still. A I mean, but I'm not saying that you know you you could say that someone running for office is a terrorist. No, but it depends on who gets to decide the definition. Because if I just don't like your political position because I don't want you to compete against me, I can create a law that actually declares you a terrorist. 
Well, and that's part of a, a representative democracy or a republic. You know, we all, you know, actually not represent, but democracy is supposed to be a republic. But what we, look, to be honest, where we are closer towards a, you know, an act, and in reality, a representative democracy. That's how how things are being enacted, actually. Uh, but yeah, but I understand. But I mean, you can't have total chaos either. You know, we talk about the rule of law. Well, who makes up the laws? I don't make a law. You don't make the law. I mean, we don't have ref. You know, every law that's passed isn't passed by a referendum. Which, if it's truly going to be a direct democracy, where every law is passed by, you know, a referendum. I mean, now, I mean, if, if that's something that would be feasible, I think that'd be great. I just unfortunately don't think that, you know, at this point, it is feasible. You know, would it be would it be a better government system? Uh, perhaps. I, you know, I actually think it no, would be. Um, if it's, if it's feasible, but I mean, it's got to be able to. It's got to be doable. It's got to be something that can be done. Sure. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that put it into the majority hand then? Into the majority's hand, and that's what we don't want to always do: is put it in the majority's hand as far as exactly. anything. Well, then again, back to well, then again, back to uh, John's question: Who are the people? You know, <clears throat> who are the people who? You know, make the laws and, and make the definitions of what a terrorist is. Who, who who's going to do that? If it's not the if it's not the mass of the people, it's not the philosopher king. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's true. That's true. I know. I listened to the whole thing yesterday of Zuckerberg before the Senate Joint Committee. Uh, what is it? The Judiciary and Commerce Committee, and um, he was speaking about not necessarily needing law to determine privacy because that's what the whole thing was about was the privacy thing. And also as far as interference from foreign countries, you know, into our elections. Um, I don't know if that's where your discussion had, you know, had gone as far as into the terrorist monitoring thing, but um, Zuckerberg had said he, his team is working on an algorithm to be able to, um, remove before it's actually even posted any hate speech. So, you know, one of the Congress or one of the senators had asked, you know, how do you go about determining, um, you know, determining what is hate speech? And his fear was that um, it, what is hate speech compared to an opinion as far as somebody's opinion goes. And Zuckerberg kind of sounded like he was on the fence as far as leaning towards the side of not wanting to um, stifle somebody's opinion and still, you know, removing hate speech, any type of hate speech that might hurt somebody, he said. So basically he was flip-flopping on the other side as well. But um, when he had said it should be approximately five years before it's ready, one of the senators on the left had said, um, well, if there's any way that you can get that done in two, uh, it would be better because it's important that we have that. <laughs> I just about fell over my chair. <laughs> to let one person determine what is hate speech, and that will probably dictate to other social media sites uh, what their algorithm determines to be hate speech. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, here, I mean, I don't believe in hate speech anyway. Here, if, you, if, somebody, if someone's saying something mean, just, just like a TV channel, if you don't like what's on TV, Turn the station. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it's you know ABC, CBS, and NBC now, or, and even just Fox. You've got hundreds of TV stations. You don't like it? 
turn the station. If you don't like what someone's posting, don't friend them, block them, don't listen to them. You know, I mean, right. it's gonna, you know, so I think you don't block, don't block anything. Don't say, well, don't say what is and is not hate speech. If somebody don't like it, you, you ignore it. If it's out there, right. the people who want to listen to it will listen to it. The people who don't, don't. You know, and that's not, I mean, here's the thing. The people who would be excited or incited are people who would be incited or excited about something anyway. It doesn't matter whether someone posted on Facebook. Mm-hmm. And we're, he's, they're taking away the freedom to choose whether we want to listen or not listen to whatever's being said. You know, that's, I mean, right. it just boggles my mind. And I found that also that when they were discussing the whole Cambridge Analytics thing, and they're stealing, you know, 87 million people's, you know, information. Um, Rush Limbaugh had brought up a good point today in his uh, radio show, and he was saying it isn't anything that they stole because it's, that information was volunteered to Facebook. Vol- uh, Facebook didn't sell anything that wasn't theirs because once you put something out on the Internet, it, you did it voluntarily. Nobody held your head, you know, with a gun to it saying, put your information on there. <laughs> and so it's by volunteer that we put stuff on there, which I put very little, nevertheless. Um, and so it wasn't anything that was stolen uh, if it was already out there. Can I interject something in this right here? The other point that was kind of funny, too, is if I remember correctly, and you guys might remember this, too, back in 2013, I think it was, the technology wizards that were working on um, Obama's campaign wrote a book of how they used all the social media data and stuff in order to better know how to target the ads and reach the people that they wanted to reach. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I remember that. Yeah. They were, they were like, Oh my gosh, we really use social media to get our, uh, our message out there. Yeah. I remember that. But I mean, they had deals just like what this, um, what is it? Cambridge Analytica were doing. As a, from a developer standpoint, in order to develop the APs, AIPs, or whatever they're called, APIs, I think, and to um, be able to better target the ads to the right people and stuff, and they were using also the data from those feeds in order to determine who they needed to go out and have foot soldiers go to door to door. So I'm like going here, you know, this may be something that we want to change laws for in the future, but how can you sit here and use this as a corruption case towards Donald Trump and his campaign, but turn a blind eye to Hillary Clinton and them using the same Obama strategies for her doggone um, campaign, and, and Obama doing the same thing back, I don't remember if it was both 2008 and 12, but um it's just ridiculous hypocrisy. The rule of law has just been slaughtered. And Zuckerberg did stand up. He did defend um, as far as his position in the Obama, <clears throat> excuse me, Obama election and the information that was given to Obama and Trump. And so he put him on the same playing field as far as that was legitimate and how they handled that. They handled both campaigns. Um, they gave him information, you know, that was requested but they do that for all campaigns he says that you know as far as the information is requested so it wasn't that and he, so him in saying that pretty much nullified anything against trump that they're trying to bury or stick on him as far as um, stealing information <laughs> um and zuckerberg helping him along with cambridge analytics so uh, i thought that was interesting 
but he did defend his position in helping both campaigns or any campaign for that matter. So that was good. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, I watched, you know, you know, some of it, you know, and and I would think even the Facebook thing, at least right now, isn't that big of, you know, you know, that big of an issue. Uh, now, I do, where it is, I think a big issue is if it comes in, where they're going to want to start regulating the content on, uh, you know, on the internet. You know, I mean, I, I don't think, I mean, really, I don't think, well, I, I don't want to say anything. Um, I mean, I'm, there are a few a few exceptions probably that you know you shouldn't have uh, on the internet. You know, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some things, but but very few. I mean, I think there should be very few things. Um, you know, like things that hurt children or something like that. I mean, that's the only thing I think should be banned from the internet is, you know, things that you know things that hurt children. You know, but beyond that, anything yeah. that you know adults can view or uh, conceptualize or whatever, then I think that, you know, that's, that should be hands off. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I found, I don't know, did you find too that the panel and senators knew very little about what they were talking about? I found that Zuckerberg was being asked the same question over and over again because they weren't grasping the concept of the whole opt in, opt out, um, privacy with the different apps and the different um, sharing abilities that people have, um, you know, with their with their information, with their well, data. Well, just like they don't read the bills, they probably never been – you know, just like they don't read the bills, they probably don't read the stuff on Facebook either. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like that ominous bill that now Trump's saying to have, uh, regret. I heard that a lot of the – um, senators and congressmen had previous meetings with him before that particular session too. So I think in a way, this is just the elitist Washington establishment globalist people setting up a system that they can actually create in the minds of the people that this stuff is okay to a certain point. They've got it under control. You don't have to worry about it and then they can continue to manipulate people with it. That's just my personal opinion, but I agree with you, John. Listening to Barge Logic Political Talk brought to you live on Blog Talk Radio. In about 13 minutes, we go into the third hour of this show, which happens to be lovingly called Barge Logic After Dark. So, the internet live feed may stop in about 13 minutes or thereabout at the top of the hour. However, continue listening to the last hour, Barge Logic After Dark, by calling 347. 945-7428. During Bard's Logic After Dark, make sure your phone is charged up and that you do not get disconnected because you will not be able to dial back in. So make sure your phone is charged up and call 347-945-7428 before the top of the hour. That's 347-945-7428 in the next 10 minutes or so. And if you just want to listen, you just listen. If you want to get involved in the conversation, just press 1 on your number dial, and the host, Robert, will help get you into the show. Your unique perspective on the issues being discussed is equally worthy, so call 347-945-7428 in the next few minutes for Bard's Logic After Dark. Back to you, Robert. Thank you very much, John. And I actually had a guy in chat, and I, I apologize for uh, not looking in the chat uh, as much as I usually do. 
Um, but there was a guy or gal maybe that just says, uh, Dr. C. Douglas, um, says, hello, phone that they've left chat, unfortunately. Hello, uh, Daily News uh, in the chat. Uh, welcome. And, yeah, give us a call at 347-945-7428. Uh, or else, uh, if you are out there listening and you don't call in, you will uh, lose the audio and you will not be able to listen in and, even more importantly, uh, contribute to the last hour of the show. Now, Dr. C. Douglas, hey, uh, yes. Sorry, uh, Robert, yeah. Hey, uh, well, I just want to share with you the amazing good news. It's a news flash. Oh, good. I like good news. Yeah, uh, a school shooting was stopped today in Deerfield, Illinois. Well, that's awesome. Yeah, did you know that? Yeah. Well, I did not hear about that. Yeah, see, here's what happened. Uh, uh, well, about a week ago, Deerfield, Illinois, the city council stopped a uh well they said look everybody turn your guns in by june 15th or it's a thousand dollar fine what so yeah deerfield illinois oh no no i'm I'm getting to the good news so you know thousand dollar fine if you don't turn your guns in by june the middle of june well some psychotic nutcase was going to do a school shooting but something stopped him it was a thousand dollar fine. So what he did is he turned in all his guns. He didn't want to do the shooting because he didn't want to pay the thousand dollar fine. The psychotic nutcase. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> That's not true, is it? <laughs> no, it's not true. I mean, this, you know me. I just I joke around. You know. I mean, do, you, do these people seriously think they're going to stop a school shooter by a thousand dollar fine? No. <laughs> or that they're going to even turn their guns in. <laughs> mm, geez. <laughs> yeah, he had five guns, so he saved himself $5,000. And a lot of kids were safe. <laughs> I said that to a congressman's right-hand man last night. Her name's Erin Ryan. She's the right-hand man of uh, Doug Lamalsa. And then she first looks at me like, are you out of your mind? And, of course, my friends around in this little small clique of conversation, my friends started busting up laughing because I knew my sense of humor. And then she started busting up laughing because she finally got it. But her first look on her face was like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so by by jesting, sometimes, you know, we can display – how silly some of these political ideas are. <laughs> Absolutely, when they're put out like that in a, in a real life scenario, <laughs> what could <Yeah>. actually happen? <laughs> <laughs> so not. I'm sorry, Mister. Yeah, I'm sorry, Mister. Show on Saturday, Suzette. That's quite all right. No problem there. I and I did want yeah, to look, I, yeah, I, yeah, look for it, but and, I didn't uh, see the link. Was I was I looking in the wrong spot? Um, well, my show um, isn't on Saturday. It's um, Sunday, <laughs> it's Tuesdays, <laughs> Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, well, I, but I was looking for a link for your most recent one. But the most recent one I seen it said was two months ago. 
Oh, it should show more shows now. I there was a problem with my my inbox. I guess you could say my in my my in out box uh, because I'm with a network, which is ideas are bulletproof radio. And you can type that in, and then you go to shows, you'll find my show underneath that network. <laughs> oh yeah, so, so, yeah. Send me send me a text on that because I was lo- yeah, cause I was looking. I was um, I was like, hey, wait, I don't see anything. And that single thing was like from two months ago. Uh, now, we do see some of the callers on. Just push the one number dial. We did have Dr. Tolbert on the line, but looks like uh, the call dropped. He might have had another drop in. We're hopefully be able to uh, get him on. Uh, but one of the things, you know, because you know, we're hearing about, uh, and, and also those in the chat, give us a call at 347-945-7428, and how uh, Dr. C. Douglas uh, thought that we were anti-Trumpers. I don't know. Um, it says, you guys sound like anti-Trumpers. I'm like, uh, how? Uh, but anyway, uh, that being said, <coughs> excuse me, that being said, um, if you are out there, I, I've been, uh, just uh, give us a call at 347-945-7428. And for those in the call, you'd like to chime in, just push the one on your number dial. Now, I know the conventional hey, uh, wisdom is a lot of people are thinking that this raid was to kind of goad President Trump. Uh, into doing something drastic like firing Mueller. And, of course, a lot of the talking heads are like, oh, that'd be so terrible for him to do. Oh, that's so terrible for him to do. Oh, it makes things look so bad. They just leave him, leave him alone. I say, look, I think Rosenstein, or now Paul Ryan's going, yay! Um, and, and perhaps we could talk about a possible replacement tonight. Um, but, you know, I think Rosenstein needs to be gone. Sessions gone. Now Ryan's going to be gone. And, actually, when I made that link last night, see, I, you know what, people, I got to admit, and you're going to hear this first on Bard's Logic, political talk. It was me who got Paul Ryan to decide not to run for re-election. It was me, your host, who called it because last night, Tuesday, when I was making the link for tonight's show, I said, you know, Ryan and others got to go. And he must have gotten that and said, you know what? Mr. Host of Bard's Logic, I'm going to go. So you can thank me, Host of Bard's Logic Political Talk, for Paul, uh, for Ryan, Paul Ryan deciding uh, to not run for re-election. So you can thank me for that. But anyway, but no, I did find it interesting that uh, I did make the link last night and mentioned that he's got to go, and the next day he, uh, well, he's going. <laughs> so anyway. Um, so he's not going to run again. Wow. So well since since he's not gonna run, I can't make fun of him anymore. I calling him babyface Ryan. <laughs> like baby yeah, yeah, he's only forty eight years old, that bastard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Well thank you, Robert. You are the man. <laughs> Woohoo. Well, thank you. All thank right, you. No, hey, 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 uh, do me um, a favor. Do me a favor. Uh Jerry Brown, say he's gonna resign tomorrow. And then Alex Padilla. He won't run for office. Yes, again. they need to get. They, well, see, I said and others, so they need to go. So hopefully tomorrow, or actually, then that you know, it's not Thursday yet. So tomorrow we'll get a report that they're no, they're going to resign or what have you. Uh, but I mean, I think you know, I think Trump should fire Mueller. I know they're like, oh my gosh, it'd be so terrible. They're trying to get him into it. That's why they're, you know, they raided his. It's like, look, and here's what I would say if I was Trump. Look, look, look. You've overstepped your bounds. These people that you're investigating have absolutely nothing to do with Russian collusion. 
you know, by by having someone else do it, you know, and I've got an article, you know, that I can uh, go to later. Um, well, yeah, here it is. It's something alluded to it. Let me go ahead and, and this is actually from the Hill, and you know, I don't really read things from the Hill too much. Of course, now it's not loading. Thank you, NSA Bob. Uh, but anyway, I think they, they should get rid of them. I mean, as you say, look, you know, you're not doing anything that has to do with, with the raid. Oh, here it is. It says, um, and, this, and John, I think this might just says, uh, and this is, as I said, The Hill, which I don't really read so much. It says, FBI raid on Trump's attorney is so political, it would have had made J. Edgar Hoover blush. Says as the news broke that the Federal Bureau of Investigation raided the home office and hotel room of President Donald Trump's personal attorney, pundits and the President of the United States alike mused about whether the raid was political motivated. The short answer is, of course it was. In fact, the raid was so brazen it would have made Jade Edgar Hoover blush, and that's saying a lot since he was the forefather of FBI politicization. The list of evidence of the raid's political motivations is long. Um, okay, it's not a real long article, folks. Um, it says, first, consider the source. Democrats suggest that the usual presupposition of the FBI's extreme political bias against Trump was not in play here because the action came from the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York. However... <laughs> A quick jog down memory lane reveals – remember, folks, your mics are open. Uh, <laughs> memory lane reveals that the Southern District Office itself is an overzealous, political-motivated entity that has had a bone to pick with Trump and fellow Republicans for quite a while. For starters, uh, in March 2017, one of Trump's first acts as president was firing pre-Barrera. Uh, the U.S. Attorney General in Manhattan ever ever sent – okay, quit beeping whoever's doing that. Um, I don't know who that was. I'm, anyway, uh, ever since the – It was NSA Bob. It was NSA Bob. What happened? It was NSA Bob. His laptop – yeah, his laptop was running low on batteries, and it beeps when it's low on batteries, so – um, oh, plug, your, plug your plug your charger cord into your laptop, NSA Bob. Yes, do that. Um, and let's hey, see. Bob. Okay. Anyway, and so <clears throat> it says, oh, come on. It says ever since blah 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 uh, has been yeah. Ever since it seems as if Baraher has been out for revenge, taking to the airwaves on a slash and burn campaign against the president. Accepting uh, a post with Trump's arch nemesis, CNN, and even suggesting that he was relieved to be fired because Trump ultimately would have asked him, quote, to do something inappropriate despite any shred of evidence for the claim. It was also the U.S. Attorney's Office in the South District of New York that accused conservative author and filmmaker Dinesh Salza of campaign finance fraud after he donated $20,000. To Wendy Long's U.S. Senate campaign in 2012, far above the campaign contribution limits. Though DeSalza ought to have known better, the witch hunt that ensued seemed excessive in light of the charge. Matters like that are normally handled by a fine from the Federal Election Commission. 
As a result, the Southern District's aggressive prosecution, DeSalza was ultimately convicted of a felony, sentenced to nearly a year in a correction facility and eight years of probation. The person who spearheaded the prosecution, none other than Senate, I'm sorry, none other than Southern District U.S. Attorney Pre Ferrara. DeSalza had a long, as long claimed that the case was politically motivated. In that, with a and was a retaliatory strike on behalf of Baraha's buddy, President Barack Obama, for DeSalza's film 2016, Obama's America, which was highly critical of Obama, yet became the second highest-grossing political documentary of all time. After its felonious ordeal, and upon learning of Baraha's firing by Trump, it was DeSalza who tweeted, "Good riddance." and called Barajas nothing more than a ruthless and deceitful henchman for the Obama administration. And that's a quote. It appears the office has kept the tradition alive. Second, the political bias and double standard exemplified by the FBI's raid is deafening. From former campaign manager Paul Manafort, who was also the victim of a surprise no-knock early morning raid, to now Cohen, member of Trump of the Trump team have been treated as hardened criminals every step of the way. By sharp contrast, Hillary Clinton's team reportedly smashed their Blackberries with hammers at a total of 13 mobile devices and five iPads to be exact, according to the official FBI report. Yet Hillary was allowed to come in for a leisurely talk with the FBI on her own accord, not required to be under oath, with no recording or transcript taken. Whether one is a Democrat or a Republican, one must admit that the double standard here is grotesque. Third, the fact that the Southern District of New York allowed the raid at all seems like an overreach. For the FBI to raid an office over a mutually agreed-upon voluntary nondisclosure agreement between two private citizens seems baffling. It should strike fear in the heart of any regular American who's had an existing NDA with clients, colleagues, or their employees. The political message here is that if it can happen to the President of the United States, it can happen to you, especially if you're Republican and odds with power brokers at the swamp. <clears throat> this is lastly, the development that the attorney for the adult film star in the case just so happens to be a formal political operative for longtime Obama ally and Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel as well as a former Vice President Joe Biden, even adds even more political intrigue to the mix. It's hard to believe that this entire series of events, from Stormy Daniel's 60 Minutes interviewed to the FBI raid, seeks the materials mentioned therein, was orchestrated at the highest level of the Democratic Party. The writers of Wag the Dog couldn't have written a better script. And that's and with us, with the political threat of presidential impeachment hanging in the wind like an eerie fog, Americans are watching this unfold very carefully in this midterm election year. If it turns out that the FBI raid will, you know, blah, 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 you know, and, I, and this is strong, no, I shouldn't say that, blah, 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 but it says if it turns out the FBI raid was legitimate and the force was appropriate, the Americans will understand in due time. However, if the raid turns out to have been an excessive use of force against a Republican administration by the highest and possibly most biased law enforcement entity in the land, 
the react, and I think this should happen if it's the case. The reaction to this dire constitutional crisis will make the Tea Party protests of 2009 look like kitty tea time, and the political protests of the current year look like child's play. So, oh, good night, Susan. I just got the uh, the message. So, good night. Uh, so, hopefully, you were able to go. It looks like we had Cindy um, on the line listening I, I tonight. Wait- oh, go ahead, Susan. I was just waiting to say goodnight, because usually you... Oh, no, go ahead. Take your final thoughts. Um, Oh, okay. You said something about the FBI, or somebody did, and them raiding and all this. What do you expect from them? Jeez, they killed the boy Finnegan, and part of the bunny thing, I mean, come on. Why should this surprise you? That's mild compared to other things they've done. Goodness, I mean, murder, murder for Villavoy Finnegan. I mean, they were part of it. So I'm sorry, I wasn't at all surprised they could do something like this. No. So anyway, we have to realize the FBI is extremely corrupt, very extremely corrupt. They were part and parcel along with the CIA and everything, getting rid of Kennedy. Uh, all these groups, the CIA, the FBI, they're all corrupt. They're filled with corrupt people. I don't know if they become corrupt because of the power or money or threats or what, but they're corrupt. Well, I think, you know, you've heard the phrase, and it's true, I guess. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah, that's true. Um <laughs> If if all of these organizations are corrupt, and our legislature is supposed to have oversight over those legis over those particular bureaucracies, then them our legislator allowing them to do that don't you think that that says the corruption goes there? Because otherwise, you'd have all kinds of congressmen and senators and other people in the Department of Justice throwing a fit, saying, "Hey, this is um, malfeasance or you know miscarriage of justice." You um, you know, usurped or, or not usurped, but you're in breach of the civil proceedings or whatever. Well, there's only a few that do that, right? Like Rand Paul criticizes everybody, but nobody listens to him. So, yeah. Thomas Massey. You're right. You're right that it goes higher. <laughs> the whole thing is full of corruption up there. As the... Uh, uh, theme song for Seth Rollins, the professional wrestler, Burn It Down. I say burn it down, and I mean Congress and all of that there. Burn it down. <laughs> Simple solution. <laughs> so, well, maybe and not. But... She's speaking, uh, in NSA Bob, she is speaking figuratively about burning it down, right, Susan? <laughs> Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> but I would. You don't want an FBI somebody... raid. You don't want to. You don't want a <laughs> no-knock FBI FBI raid on your door uh, coming in the next couple nights. I'll send them to you. <laughs> the Gee, thanks. The sad part is they're sowing the psychological seeds of survival of the fittest. You know, take or be taken, beat or be beaten. It's sad. I don't understand how they think that they can continue to do this and it not get out of control. 
I mean, you know, somebody has to start telling them, look, you can't repeat history without history repeating itself. I like John. He's a pretty good guy. <laughs> so, okay, hey, hey, you hey, have a good Robert. week, John. Kelly. Yeah, Kelly. Oh, goodbye. Uh, goodbye. Thanks. Good goodbye, night, Susan. Susan. Thank you very much. Goodbye, Susan. Okay. Yeah, Congratulations. Bye. Thanks, Susan. Is Suzette still on the line? Uh huh. She yeah, is. Yeah, she Congratulations. Is. <laughs> what time is your what, what? Good night. Uh, what good time night. is your show on Tuesday, Thursdays? Tuesdays, Thursdays at two p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Oh, I see. So I can listen tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Oh, all right. I could I could pretend to be NSA Bob. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> the um, uh, yeah, I want to comment about uh, that FBI raid on Trump attorney, the Trump attorney. Okay. Um, let's see. Now, was the raid in New York or was it the raid in somewhere else? I think it was in New York. You think it was in New York? Okay. Well, um, did you know that the federal system is actually integrated? You could get a subpoena from a California um, grand jury or a warrant from a, um, I'm sorry, a federal grand jury in California can issue a subpoena on somebody in Washington, D.C. This is Susan Brenner, uh, distinguished professor of law at Dayton University in Ohio. And, uh, a judicial warrant from California would be effective nationwide. So it's interesting. Um, that's the way that works. But um, there's two. There's a few possibilities here. Um, one, it was an honest, fair judge. It doesn't matter what party they came from. And by the way, most judges are actually quite adherent to justice. And yeah, they'll go some. They'll they'll, they'll do political things. But most of the times, it's a it's a pretty dead serious thing. So if you have an honest judge that it wasn't political, then this means serious business for at least Trump's uh, attorney. It could mean trouble for Trump. Don't know. And of course, that information will get over the hands of the grand jury. Of course, the obvious would be it was a political move by a judge that was an Obama appointee. I've heard a horror story about one of them uh, up in the uh, Eastern District, uh, Eastern Federal District uh, in Spokane, Washington area. Um, and let's see, could be an incompetent judge that has no political bias. Several options, but when you really look at it, um, a federal judge has to look at all sorts of factors. And if the law is in his favor, even if he is biased, he could just use the law and a just judge would do the same thing. So it's it's a very interesting thing when you can only wait for the outcome. I heard that I was a little bit shocked. So, I mean, I kind of wish that uh would be a subpoena upon uh, another person. Uh, what was her name? What, what was her name? Or the, uh, the attorney for what's her name? What's her name? Oh, that's right, Hillary Clinton. That'd be nice to have a little federal subpoena. Federal, I'm sorry, federal warrant. Uh, that would be. Where is that? Oh, okay. Well, we won't go that way. Um, I did want to mention something, Robert, that I'd like to, a person that I'd like to bring on the show. And I have his political business card, if you will. Uh, Mark 
Mieser or Mauser, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, M-E-U-S-E-R. He's running for Secretary of State. I met him last night, and I was up very late helping him with points. Well, what is Secretary of State? Secretary of State runs the elections. You know, if you're Alex Padilla, you could, you could, if you wanted to, through some clandestine strategies, turn California over to Hillary Clinton for the primaries, 2016. If you wanted to, even if you were corrupt, and, and if you're Alex Padilla, you could, you know, get on the Special Commission of uh, Election Advisement and the Department of Homeland Security. If you're Alex Padilla, and you want to be on that, and you could uh, tell the DHS to go tap into the Georgia Registration Database. Hmm. If you wanted to, and you were corrupt, and uh, yeah, uh, I think I've talked about this before. But um, this is one of the most important races in the country, as I've heard from others. And so I met Mr. Uh, Mieser, a Republican, and, uh, you know, Republican, I don't care, I'm a Libertarian, but... Um, and I, I talked with his, his aide after, uh, it was at the end of the tea party. I popped in the last 10 minutes. He was speaking, talking a little bit afterwards. And we, uh, several of us went to get dessert at a restaurant and his, his aide, I had his full attention for 30 minutes about the electronic election system and how problematic it is. And, um, so he, his, 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 uh, assistant listened quite well and, uh, we'll see what comes of it, but I would like to get him on the show. Um, of course, we'll have to find – I got his scheduler's number. Ashley is his scheduler. Brandon was his aide there that was – oh, and by the way, this guy just happened, Mr. Mauser, happens to be an election law attorney, and he was in Wisconsin when the Bill Stein recount was happening. Oh, wow. Yeah, so um, in our just little small town here in Wairica, California, near the, near the Oregon border, in the heart of the state of Jefferson, he came up here and he talked and uh, – People really liked him, and uh, so, you know, that's something upcoming. Um, he seems to really like the Constitution and all, and uh, that's kind of one of my first requirements. you got to know the Constitution. I mean, if you're going to write laws that are subject to the Constitution, you might want to know the Constitution. Um, <laughs> did a little small thing there. But, um, but yeah, the um, I, I already wrote a number of points that could help him get elected, but we'll see what happens. If he's willing to put it on his website, and uh, you know, the uh, came up with a new idea last night. Maybe somebody else has thought of it, but I, I call it the Voss system. Well, first of all, I'll take a step back. Open source software. I'm talking about election fraud, electronic election fraud. I mean, here's the bottom line. Sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy, but I don't care. Um, it's only because they don't have their tinfoil hat on. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, I programmed in five – I mean, I'm, I have a degree or two in engineering. I programmed in five languages, and here's the bottom line with what I learned. Didn't really want to learn this, but I did um, over the last five years, six years. Um, once a paper bell is turned into electrons, it is subject to easy computer manipulation. It's very vulnerable, and I don't want to go into how – Bad things were in the primary. Ask any Bernie Sanders fan, and you know they'll give you an earful. But um, the um, one of the one of the things that I I threw out 
Well, in, in meaning all these election integrity folks or election transparency, the ETs, uh, we consider Bev Harris, who did Hacking Democracy, an HBO film exposing how big of a problem this is. We call her our ET mother. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, and I know her personally. Well, anyway, um, this is a problem. And one of the solutions that the programmers are coming out with is open source, open source. Let us see the source. You can't see the source. Supreme Court protects the computer code. So why can't we see the code? Oh, because they want to cheat. Anyway, all right, so open source is a big solution. Well, here's another one that I came up with last night. I call it VOS or um, visually open source. And uh, what it is is as the computer is running, you have a big screen TV, and the line of code that is presently operating something shows up on the screen. You put a camera in front of that big screen TV, and you watch how the computer code is being displayed as it's operated, of course. We'll have to have pauses in the program, otherwise it'll be a microflash. If a Secretary of State were to say, you know what, any new software that wants to come into my state, you're going to have to agree in the contract for VOS, your software is going to be played on the screen as it's operating. If you don't want to do that, guess what? You're not selling your software in California. That's it. And oh, how the rats will scurry when the lights would turn on. So that would be a big uh, solution. Of course, you know, this guy's older, and he's like, what's that mean? All right, we'll, we'll help him through that. But anyway, so watch the vote. We're already called the board members. We're having a, a special meeting to see if this gentleman will put on a, uh, put about 15 points up for ensuring a, an honest election, a fair election. And if he'll get high-tech, high-power, super computer gurus in his office as well as statisticians because there are there's mathematical magic that can actually through statistics find out if there's a problem um so anyway I, i'm just uh i'm going to see how that goes and, so is it basically uh, real time seeing the, the, the like real time seeing the vote count is that what that's kind of like yes yes well yeah it well the vote count would that's another way to do it you know, so when you're, it, you know, I mean, what you put it in, it tallies the vote, like bling, this vote went to, uh, you know, I don't know how how you do that and keep someone's privacy, but yeah, well, let's say stack forty-seven is the variable for the number of votes for Bob. A line comes up. Um, if x if this variable equals this, store in stack forty-seven, and stack forty-seven keeps going up for everybody that votes for Bob. It's up on the screen. But stack 47, well, it's open source, so you look at the code. Oh, 47 means Bob. Okay, there you go. So stack 47 keeps coming up, you know, 60 times out of 100, Bob wins because there's more lines up on the, on the, on the screen that says stack 47, you know, store in stack 47, or whatever, you know, variable you want to make it. So, you, you know, you can do this stuff. So the software is being displayed on a computer screen as every line of code is executed. That's, you know, open source software. This is visual open source software. So maybe somebody came up with that before, but I, you know, wrote it down and explained it. But if you're a Secretary of State, we ain't allowed any software in here unless the people can watch it run. 
And this what happens is the Supreme Court requires this in Reynolds versus Sims. It's either Reynolds versus Sims or U.S. Mm-hmm. versus Mosley. So you have the right to know your vote was counted accurately. This is the United States Supreme Court. Well, how do we know when these black boxes are doing their things and inside gears are spinning, knobs are turning? We have no idea what's happening in there. It could be a little mouse that's voting for this guy or another mouse voting for that guy in that black box. We don't know what's going on in there. Yeah, it's true. Up on the screen. Yeah. Up there in the screen. There you go. Stack 47. Bob got into the boat. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, all sorts of ideas. And it's not just me. Uh, it's taken a lot of learning to understand all this. And went to mm-hmm. you know, a conference and talked to a lot of election transparency people. Um, yes, I'm in contact with ET, ETs. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Alan Deckard's probably one of my favorites. He's a brilliant guy. He's brilliant. He says it only takes less than 1,000 lines of code to count the vote. Why is there 10,000 lines in these programs? Oh, that's so they can hide a cheater line amongst 10,000 lines. There ain't 1,000 lines of code. Yeah, so so anyway, but but anyway. Real, real, real quick. I'm losing you. Can I hear you? Or you yeah, no, no, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I hear you. So there is a bunch, and I won't be John surprised. John had a question, but I'll let you finish, and John's going to ask a question. Go ahead. Well, here's – I mean, if this is a guy – okay, so watch the vote. The board, we're going to have a special meeting Friday night. Try to go through this and try to help this guy understand what the situation is. His, his right-hand man gets it. And uh, But I won't be surprised if all of a sudden the ET endorsements are coming in left and right. Even I won't be surprised. Well, John Brakey probably would do and support a Republican. Well, it's not the Republican you're supporting. It's the platform on how to make an honest system. And we need it so badly, it's ridiculous. And I was kind of guessing about Alex Padilla, but he has done some very wicked things. And he needs to be dethroned. So uh, that's, we'll just, you know, I'm, I'm going to, and, and I, I could go on all night about problems and, some people won't sleep if they know how deep this problem is, but I, I just – I'll turn it back over to you, Robert. And actually, I'm going to turn it back over to John because it sounds like John wants to either ask a question or make a comment on that. Go ahead, John. I just wanted to get some more feedback from Kelly in that sense because, um, you know, whenever you guys were talking and Jim Condit, because the fact that the software – you know, the average person wouldn't know whether that actual – display on the screen was accurate or not, then you're back to the same deal with the, you know, digital manipulation of software, because if you know how to do the coding right, depending on what kind of system you're working on, you could make it show up anything on the screen, and it's still doing something in the background that's different. Well, imagine if you have 20, 20, um, 20 pieces of paper, there's your software code, because it's 1,000 lines or less. Let's say if you're lucky, 800 lines of code. A computer pro- – okay, so you got a printout. A programmer looks at it because it's open source. Okay, so a computer programmer looks at it a few days before he understands how the software works. It's like re- – if you never read music, it's like reading music, except you don't know how to read music. Computer programmers know how to read the music. You know, DCL Coda, DCL Fine, whatever. Repeat this bar three times, whatever, okay? So it, they get this, okay? I mean, these people are just geniuses, all right? 
And I mean, <laughs> some of these guys will make me look stupid. So they understand how to read the sheet music on the, on the open source code. So when they're looking on the screen and watching it run, oh, stack 47, go to Bob. You know, uh, stack 72, go to, go to Susie, you know, et cetera, et cetera. All right. So um, they could stand there and watch it run because they've already what? looked at the code. And if, oh, all of a sudden there's a uh, go to line 479, a three-line subroutine. Okay, well, you can come to you right there. It's open source right there in front of the computer screen. Oh, that's what the program's doing now. Okay. They actually had this in the old days. It's called Trace On. And they made the movie Tron from that. Trace On. Trace On means... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that Trace On, Trace Off. I've used it. This is back in the 80s. Where you actually watch the computer execute a line of code. Right. And through, through the Trace On system, you would have... Um, you would find your error where when you're writing a computer program, you'll have errors and this and that and something just doesn't work. You don't know what's going on. You turn the trace on. Oh, it's this line of code that's giving me a problem. i got to fix it. You're just so, saying you know, create another step in the process to try to guarantee integrity because it's still you've got to trust the person that's doing it. And if the original software developers weren't trustworthy and now you're checking them, well, now do, who's going to trust the new guy? Okay, this is the second level of trust checking we got to do. It's still back to the same question. But I guess the more times you do this auditing, like you're requesting, then the less likely there's going to be that many people that's corruptible. Well, yes, right? it is. Okay, and so let's look at other checks and balances with the election system. Okay, the ideal situation, paper ballots, hand counted before they ever leave the precinct. There you go. Well, we don't have that. Convenience took us down this road of electronic machines. Well, mm-hmm. probably not going to happen for a while. Europe threw their machines out, but we we still got to – all right, 10%. You just 10, 10% of the paper ballots, you go into this mathematical magic of statistics. At the precinct, 10%. That's not hard to do. And you'll have a statistical accuracy of, you know, it's statistical confidence level or probability. This is 90% uh, accurate prediction of all the ballots with plus or minus a few percent. Or, you know, it depends on all sorts of factors, but there are mathematical magic you can do through statistics by the hand counters at the precinct, 10%, really only 7 and some really only 5% in some situations. So you have a high probability, okay, well, all of a sudden – our hand counting of 10%, wait, we got a 20% difference here from our statistical ma- uh, magical math to the electronic. Okay, let's hand count the entire precinct now. So that's a system of accountability. Which so, I don't like to I go mean, back to anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, and, uh, so another thing is get the digital images of the scanners, count the votes. That's what John Brake used to do. we got to get him on the show, by the way. we got to get John Brakey on the show. I know him personally, great guy. He was in charge of the Wisconsin recount. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, he was the one who discovered, he discovered wireless antennas in the election machines. So this is John. Oh, my gosh. So I could pull up with my laptop. I could park in the parking lot of the precinct, tap in. He said, not only that, you could. Tap in from, oh, Australia, China, Antarctica. What? I mean, these are older units, like in the 2000s. They put a special cell tower 
system that through the phone system you can change the results at a precinct. And it was an option. And some counties elected this option, but probably didn't even know what they were ordering. So there, I mean, there are just point blank frightening things going on. And if we, if if it'll be a while, Robert, I'm not sure when, but you know, watch the vote. We're going to try to do. We're going to try to influence them to adopt this. There's 15 points. Take maybe we'll probably end up with 16 or 20, but then as a board, and then we'll present them to him. And then if he wants to do this and put it on his website, we'll get him get him on our show. And uh, one of the things I'd really like to see, which I actually did, watch the vote. We did this, but it was an online survey. How was your voting experience, June uh, 16 primary? Okay, how did how did that go for you? And the comments we got were just point blank frightening. I won't go into it, but it was just a way of gauging the voters' experience. Well, I would encourage him. Hey, call for committee. Call for committee uh, composed of Republicans, Democrats, and Libertarians. Oh my! Um, and they work together because they do. We do. I work with all sorts of parties on election integrity, and they developed the online survey. And so a Secretary of State running and saying, "Hey, we're going to have an online survey." I called for a committee. The committee stepped forward. Um, and when you go vote, you can fill out the survey so I can get a pulse before I'm even in office. A pulse of all your frustrations and your problems is done by private hands. I can't – I have no control. But I want to know how your voting experience went so we can fix it. And so I think that would be a big promoter, if you will, that would get his, his points up. There are just some ideas. It, it's just, you know, if yeah, we need to do I can attract them to this. Well, yeah, because, I mean, that, that's one of the biggest jobs of Secretary of State. It's, you're arranging the elections. You're approving the machines. Well, it's approved, then the county buys them. Kelly, so that's what it is in California. Are you promoting your project on, you know, like Watch the Vote USA or Election Night Gatekeepers or anywhere? Yeah, I mean, we've been putting posts up on Facebook and other places, and we there's a, a new guy that's uh, well, what about uh, favoring paper ballots. What about people to this podcast that might want to better understand what you're referring to? How would they go get more information? Well, here's, here's what I, I mean. This is a side note. I'm trying to arrange for a potential candidate. But when we when we do the show, say we get a half hour out of them. Um, when we do the show, that's where I want to take that and flash it all over the web. Um, that's really key. And of course, I'm hoping to get some other input from, you know, John Brakey, Alan Deckert, um, some attorney, uh, Simpitch is his name, um, Bev Harris, a whole bunch of people that. I could call on computer security experts named John, one of them, and, and really get their get their input, and so that we can have something that this guy would run with. And he's an election law attorney. I already mentioned that, but we'll, we'll just see what we can do because, you know, if he's the next Deborah Bowen, Deborah Bowen decertified all these electronic machines. He said, "I'm done. You guys got to prove yourself." And so we have a good vote counting system in California because it, it go, the state goes through it at the Secretary of State's office. The department is called the OVSTA. Well, I wish other states would do this. They don't. But we have one of the better vote counting. The voter registration system is a mess because 
guess what? Nobody has looked at that code. And that's why people are getting thrown off the voter rolls. People show up with, uh, yeah, I'm here to vote. Uh, I got my sample ballot. Oh, you're not registered. Then how did I get a sample ballot, guys? <laughs> oh, I'm here to vote. Uh, you're vote by mail. I've never been vote by mail. Well, just give us your uh, vote by mail, and we'll let you vote today. Ma'am, I've never been vote by mail. Well, registration says you're vote by mail. Ma'am, I've never – oh, sure, you're lying, thinks the poll worker. The voter registration software has has had no accountability. I called the OVSTA. They said, well, we don't know who's uh, looked at that software. Well, shouldn't somebody? I had a friend who was flipped parties. I mean, you know, it is unbelievable. It's the information that Facebook can acquire and Google acquires. They can find out, oh, gee, you're a Bernie Sanders fan? Yeah, we're going to unregister you. I'm, I'm, I'm not kidding. This, this is how bad it is. You said something and like that happened, group. didn't you? Yes, we found out from our survey, our online survey. And at the same time, unbeknownst to watch the vote, Election Justice USA, Paul Thomas, we became friends. They were doing an independent um, survey just like we were doing. And guess what? They had the same conclusions. This happened not just in California, New York, Massachusetts, uh, New, New Jersey, Jersey, Arizona, and Bernie Sanders got hurt pretty bad from this. Yeah, I'm surprised he didn't fight. Well, yeah, not really, but <laughs> you would think he would have fought more once he found out the jig was up. You know what I mean? Well, well, here's the thing: if you say if you lost the race by three points, which means what? One and a half points. Three count. You flip. One and a half points. You flip. You double that. You get three. If you lost by a three-point spread, and you say, "Oh, it's the electronic election fraud." Guess what? Your political career is over. Yeah. But if you're running for Secretary of State, you're in a very unique position. So bring it up. Carefully. Tactfully. Anyway, so Robert, I guess I'll be in touch off air to figure out when... Yeah, just you know, give um, yeah, give the information. I mean, I certainly want to. I mean, because I, I, I really do. I think that you know, election. I, I think election fraud is going to be huge. I, I think it might even be a bigger threat. Uh, this, you know, this uh, midterm election. I think it might be a bigger threat than it was in 2016, just because you know, you know, I, I think all this talk about the blue wave, blue wave, and so everyone's really going to be expecting. You know the Democrats to win, so let's say the votes actually go toward go for the Republicans. But it's been put in so many minds uh, for people that hey, it's gonna be a blue wave, or Democrats are gonna have it that you know they can you know do the electronic voter fraud and be able to get away with it because they've already set the uh, the narrative that you know they're gonna they're gonna win. Well, that way it conditions the mind for the anticipated results that they fixed. I mean, again, five computer programming languages. Once you turn a paper ballot into electrons, it is very vulnerable to computer manipulation. And you can't look at the code. And these, some of these places, you roll up on your, uh, in your car, a laptop, change results. 
I'm telling you, <laughs> this is a real problem. I mean, okay. Hey, do you think it's possible that the Democrats, or I should say the Washington establishment elites, planted the rumor? Like, for example, the Washington establishment elites started manipulating this data. Because think about it. Barack Obama and, and uh, Hillary Clinton, a number of them, have already been into this data stuff with um, Facebook and all, Google and all these companies prior to now. So they already know how this stuff works. And I told you, you know, we talked about the guy that, or the tech people that wrote the book for Obama on how they did their thing. So they understood how the system worked. So they figured, well, hey, I'm going to put a Machiavellian thing here. You know, I'm going to light a fire on the back side of these people's house, and then I'm going to walk around the front side and sell them a, a, a fire extinguisher. So what they do is they go out and start a rumor to make sure Trump knows, hey, the election's rigged, so he'll start talking about it. Well, they're the ones rigging the election. And then they even do it to the point to make it look like they are the ones being ripped off. We're the DNC. Why would we rip ourselves off? And then that way they can continue to manufacture the corruption with under false pretenses. You think that's possible? Uh, is Trump still being accused of being in collusion with the Russians? Well, they're using it as I think they've probably, I think they're starting to give up on that, and that's why they're trying to think of all these other different things to do. That's what I they're think. Using it. They're using it, Robert, as an excuse to do this fishing expedition into everything else outside of the That's actual true. investigation that it was set up. That's why I think Mueller should be fired. Well, or at least the um, the whole – what's the guy's name, the deputy attorney general? Rosenstern or Stein? Rosenstein. Oh, yeah, Rosenstein. Yeah, he needs to be like, yeah, certainly. Because even, even if you think about Jeff Sessions – he recused himself, which I agree that just to make sure there was no conflict of interest that you recuse yourself from that standpoint. But he could still stand up and say, wait, I'm still protecting the process to make sure that the proceedings go as if they're supposed to. But he's just turned a blind eye and let the corruption go, too. And I'm like, come on, guys, this is ridiculous. Yeah, and I'll be honest, that kind of surprises me about Sessions. But I think, you know, somebody's gotten to him, too, or something. Now I'm starting to think that he needs to go, too. Or maybe they've been co-opted by the, you know, elite globalist or whatnot. Somehow they got some fingering on them because the FBI and all these stuff, they got NSA and people that work inside these organizations that help them get the information to blackmail these people to get them to go along. And I think they're getting to Trump the same way. Yep, they want Trump out, and by talking about the Stormy Daniels, making it a big thing about the attorney, um, his office being raided, which was wrong, because uh, that is not in Mueller's scope of investigation, but him passing exactly. it off to this you know, well-known uh, adversary of Southern Poverty Law in New York, <laughs> this fake law group, basically, you could almost say, but fake in the sense of they aren't right with the law. But nevertheless, so you do this and you put this in people's minds. You got the news cycle, you know, MSNBC, CNN, fake news, promoting this. Oh, this is terrible. You know, oh, this is bad. You know, the 
president should just resign and so forth. Oh, I and, know. You know. This make him resign. And then, so then you ridiculous. do the elections, and the, the people who are running right now for their lives in these states, Republicans, um, they're going to say that they lost because of Trump, because of the way mm-hmm. the president is, and so forth. And and it'll manipulate the poll or manipulate the vote. Hold on, John. Let her finish. Thank you. They'll manipulate that process with the votes, um, as you um, you were just saying, and it will appear as though see, nobody wants President Trump to be in office. The people of GOP are losing in the states, and it's all because President Trump he needs to resign. And that's not it all, but that's the narrative. That they'll try and build. Anyway, back to you, RZ. Oh, no, I agree with you. And the thing that if the if the raid is supposed to be predicated on a probable cause warrant, the warrant, in order to make sure that it has probable cause, has to have material evidence and relative evidence to the crime that they've actually supposed alleged commit. And I'm like, why are they hiding behind the um, secrecy of that? And, number one, how does this fall under the purview of what Mueller discovered, giving a tip to Rod Rosenstern, or whatever his name is, in order to to make a whole new case? I'm like, wait, number one, that's a civil matter. It has nothing to do with the FBI. or I don't under, It just blows my mind that these guys are allowing that nonsense, and they totally don't take into consideration the basis at which the application for the warrant is being hidden, and we can't determine if it's just or not. Right, right. Well, you know, we don't know if it's an honest judge or if it's a a liberal judge with enough facts that complies with the Constitution or if it's just a complete bias, unbelievable, it's completely up to the judge. Yeah, I got gas on his stomach. Okay, go get his, go get all the stuff out of Trump's attorney's office. Now, here's the Fourth Amendment: uh, the right of the people to be secure Isn't in their person's house. Is that what they do? FISA warrant and the FISA warrant is a different ball game. I don't want to go there. All right, for a federal but judge. That's what started it all. I know. Let me finish the fourth. Okay. Um. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Hmm. So, if this is about his hot fling with some hot chick. I mean, really? I mean, Bill Clinton survived that. And by the way, really think about it, the president can do whatever he wants until he is removed from office or he's voted out of office or he terms out. So impeachment is not very effective. Um, Nixon knew he would be, because there's impeachment and there's the trial in the Senate, Nixon knew he would not survive the trial in the Senate, so he resigned on November 9th, 1974. Um, but, so, but pretty much a president can do whatever the heck he wants until he's removed from office by those three things. Of course, there's always the assassination. But um, 
it's, you know, Andrew Jackson, you know, he was horrifying evil he did with the Trail of Tears. The Supreme Court says, you will not treat these people like this, and you need to stop, and you need to da-da-da-da-da. We are ordering you. We are the U.S. Supreme Court. Andrew Jackson said, you know what? Supreme Court, why don't you go get your own army? And he did that because he had actually survived an impeachment, as Andrew Jackson did. The trial in the Senate did not remove him from office. Um, so he knew, oh, my gosh, look, I got so much strong support. I can do whatever I want. So he basically gave, he basically gave the middle finger to the U.S. Supreme Court. I'm the president. You raise your own army. I don't care. So, hey, Kelly? Yeah. From the- from your um, standpoint of understanding in the rule of law and stuff, is it possible that all of us, we, the citizens, Trump supporters and whatnot, can we sue the federal government like the DOJ for um, malpractice or, or something to do with this thing? I mean, I, I, I need definitely to talk more about it, but I'm thinking there's got to be a, a way for we, the people, to stand up and say we demand justice and not this you know, rule of man masquerading nonsense, just willy-nilly, I'm going to go after whoever I want based on hearsay, and there's a hearsay rule. And they've thrown the hearsay rule out the window, and there's um, fruit of the poison tree doctrine, and they've thrown that out the window. I'm like, come on, now what works and what doesn't? We're totally bastardizing the rule of law if you want to say we even have the rule of law. So can we as citizens have some kind of class action lawsuit against them in any way? No, well, here's 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 where yeah. Let me answer your question. All right, so you can sue your brother, your cousin, your neighbor for a paperclip if you want to, but and you could actually be successful as long as several factors. One, you can prove that you were injured. How were you injured? How were you harmed? Okay. And of course, before that, the first thing. Attorneys will do in defense standing. You have no standing. Case dismissed. Um, so, if you, so if you, how, how can we not have standing? We are the ones how are you who determine our own pursuit of happiness, and they're screwing right. with the whole right. process right. of the rule of law. Right. How were you injured? With Trump being hassled by all these people, how were you injured? You weren't. You don't have standing. Get a million people. How are you injured? You, all you, million people, you don't have standing. Case dismissed. You can sue. I mean, to sue means you file the lawsuit. You have some evidence. You file the lawsuit. You serve papers on somebody. Okay, well, then you got to get before a judge. And there's all sorts of hearings before a trial. Yeah, you can sue anybody for anybody, anything you want to. It's just they're constantly thrown out. Motion to quash. Motion to dismiss. Blah, 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 blah. Motion to suppress. Um Let's have a motion for a settlement conference. Okay, you agree? Yeah, let's have a settlement conference. Will you be successful? That's the question. And if you think you'll be successful, do you have about a half a million dollars? Well, you can get a class action. You know, you get a whole bunch of people. They're all putting up 100 bucks each. Okay, boom, now you got your half million. And there might be another half million needed. It's really hard to do this. And even if it goes all the way to Supreme Court, even if it goes all the way to Supreme Court, one in like one in a hundred or one in a thousand make it to the Supreme Court. So you have to really be able to prove damages so you survive all the way up. Now, you can. There's damage in the rule of law. 
I, I know that. You can do something different. Go to the grand jury. There you go. Hey, grand jury, 18 U.S.C. 1504. I wish to appear, and I want to discuss this corruption. Um, I've actually appeared before a grand jury at my request, a county grand jury. That's called the right of petition. Case law, case law, I don't have time. But grand jury's cheap. Did you know that the grand jury that's going after Trump right now, if they know their full power, okay? If they say, you know what, this is politicized, it's wasted the taxpayers' dollars. Uh, let's see, malfeasance, misfeasance, derelict of duty. We could pick one of those, and we could issue an indictment or a presentment against the people that are trying to persecute Donald Trump, including the judge that issued the warrant. Oh, my gosh. This was a politically motivated warrant. Judge, we're going to go ahead. We're going to issue an indictment on you. And you're done. Very possibly. Or if, they're, if, if they survive the indictment and the trial, they're never going to go up the chain of command in the justice system. That's why our found, founding fathers put this country together, and that is what John Jay charged the Richmond Grand Jury. Let no corruptions go unnoticed. You will present them. And corruptions obviously means government agents. So that's cheap. Oh, what a concept. It's cheap. Yeah, the Founding Fathers set it up. I mean, there's other attorneys that hold my same opinion. Um, it's just it's just kind of a bummer that attorneys don't know this. They don't learn this in law school. Why do they not learn this in law school? Because it's a business competitor. <laughs> in New York, you get in front of the grand jury. When you're being investigated, you tell your side of the story. They say, you know what? Ignoramus. No true bill of indictment. Nah, don't send him to trial. Guess what? You just saved $200,000 in attorney's fees because you beat it at the grand jury instead of going to trial in front of a pettit jury. And unfortunately, I got to actually – man, we could probably kill another hour talking on this. It's very informative, uh, but we will have to uh, take this time now to uh, accept the uh, – more uh, closing thoughts. So each person's got a couple minutes for that. So uh, if we go with uh, you, John, and then you, Suzette, and then Kelly, and then I'll have to close things out. Each person you know, is about um, uh, maybe two minutes, uh, not quite that, to uh, for their closing thoughts. And unfortunately, we have to close out uh, the show. Definitely appreciate everyone uh, uh, coming tonight. Uh, but go ahead, uh, go ahead, John. Yeah, in the spirit of Kelly, three little boys were concerned because they couldn't get a, you know, anyone to play with them. They decided it was because they had not been baptized and didn't go to Sunday school, so they went to the nearest church. Only the janitor was there. One of the little boys said, we need to be baptized because no one will come out and play with us. Will you baptize us? Sure, said the janitor. Bathroom and dunked their heads in the toilet bowl one at a time. Then he said, now go out and play. When they all got outside dripping wet, one of the boys asked, What religion do you think we are? The oldest boy said, We're not Catholic because they pour the water on you. We're not Baptist because they dump all of you in it. We're not Methodist because they just sprinkle you. The littlest, youngest boy said, Didn't you smell the water? Yeah, what is that? What do you think that means? I think it means we're Episcopalians. <laughs> That's Terrible. Oh, that's terrible. And for any Episcopalians listening to the uh, the show, uh, sorry, but it was just a 
Uh, um, <laughs> a harmless joke. <laughs> well, John, I hate to say it, but that, that took your two minutes up. That was a good joke. Thank you, bud. Uh, go ahead, Suzette. Hello, hello. Well, <clears throat> my thoughts, final thoughts. Um, I'm here to support the president by calling. We always say talk, call, 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 but those calls do matter. Even when you have uh, what seems like a, you know, person that doesn't want to listen, which is mine is Feinstein and Camilla Harris and <laughs> uh, Torres, Norma Torres, deaf ears. But nevertheless, they'll still get the calls. And sometimes they have to go through the switchboard to get to the call. So, you know, that helps. Anyway, um, I don't agree with the Mueller raid. I think it was wrong. As far as Zuckerberg goes, we need to stay on top of that. As far as aware, we need to self-educate about what his algorithms and when he plans to implement them, what they're about, um, in particular, because uh, he talks about not passing any laws to, you know, uh, monitor privacy and so forth with Internet or social media, which sounds good on the surface, but on the same note, it puts the power in his hands and in others, and that's not good either to put in one person's hands. There's only so many social media sites. And my last thought, if you get a chance, go to, it's called unspoil me, U-N-S-P-O-I-L-M-E.com, and look into what Samsung is doing. <laughs> they are creating an app. Actually, it's been created. <laughs> Visit the site, and you can erase your mind for specific shows that you used to watch in the past. If you, you know, you like to watch Happy Days, and but you've seen all the episodes, and if you want to see it like you've never seen it, it's for the first time you've ever seen the show, some Samsung will allow you to erase that part of your memory so it'll be fresh, new to you. And it's done what? through hypnosis. Unspoilme.com. Wow, that's kind <laughs> of weird. I don't know if I'd like the idea of that. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Uh, but, yes, uh, tech news, it's the latest, greatest crap, pardon my language. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, we're in bars and watching After Dark. <laughs> and uh, so if you get a chance check that out also check me out on Spreaker.com we'll see that live talk on I do use our Bulletproof Radio 2 o'clock Tuesdays Thursday Pacific Standard Time thank you back to you Robert uh, thank you very much and Kelly you've got the last uh, literally minute though before I have to close things out go ahead we got you there Kelly Oh, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Well, Suzette, I'm going to go ahead and go over to unspoilme.com because years ago I saw this picture of Gollum, you know, from Lord of the Rings, next to Hillary uh-huh. Clinton. And it's still burned in my mind. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, uh, oh, I, I wanted to get to a point I missed earlier that I would hope to encourage people on our show tonight, um, really, Robert's show, great show. Uh, Republican candidate. Show, just, uh, Kelly, go ahead. Got, okay. <laughs> and uh, oh, I love the, I love the group eight, uh, group effort. Um, so we had a candidate who the good old boy said, "No, nope, you can't run." Okay. I went to the Libertarian Party. I thought, "Well, I'll just go to the Nationals for kicks and learn some things." A lot of work is done in house behind the scenes. 
people don't know about. So if all of a sudden there's this awesome candidate we all get behind um, and you go to these conventions, guess what? You're going to get flanked left and right. They're going to pull the rug out under you and you won't know what happened. If you go to a convention, preferably a libertarian convention or an independent, doesn't matter, just go to the state convention, see how people operate, how the committees work, how they take votes, who's the chair, who's the secretary, how it works, da-da-da-da-da, all these things, the ins and outs. And if you're in, you know, if you go to libertarian, I mean, they'll welcome you. Hey, I just want to be an observer. Okay, great. You get to meet a bunch of meet people, and if you like people, great, you know. To learn, you know, go sit, it, I sat in the committees of the rules committee, and then there was the platform committee. And every platform idea goes through the committee. Then it comes out on the floor. The committee either recommends or says, no, we don't support this. And then, so it, just the inner workings, and then you see Robert's Rules of Order, how the meetings are conducted, and sometimes it's really an ugly, nasty fight. And you're like, what? And so when you learn, and that's what I have done, two state conventions, national, I might go to state this year, Libertarian Party, but you will learn the ins and the outs. And if you uh, have a chance, go attend. Uh, uh, if, if you if you attend your local county, pick a party, Republican, whatever, just for the dynamics. Because if if a big liberty movement comes in, and they outnumber, oh, let's say seventy percent of of liberty-minded people versus the good old boys. The good old boys will pull the tricks, and all those people will mean nothing. You've got to know Robert's Rules of Order. You've got to know how these op- – I'm telling you, county, central committee. Kelly, they're going to get ready to cut us off here, buddy. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm encouraging people. You know, call up your local uh, – hey, can I attend some of these meetings? Can I attend a county convention? You'll learn. It's amazing. It's amazing. All right. Enough said. Back to you. Great show. Goodbye, everybody. We'll do it again. Sorry, Kelly. Uh, because they will cut things off probably about a minute. And so we'll end tonight as I do every night. And that is with the song by Aubrey Ashburn. And you can hear more of her music by going to www.aubreyashburn.com. Thank you very much, folks. We'll see you next time, and good night. Mm-hmm.